Sounds good. There you go. Over. See? I know you can do it. Well, I'm... Wool. Tell me all about wool. It's on sheep. Uh, make clothing out of it. Hay is for horses, Hector. I can't believe... You're so... You're so... You're very... You're very imperious with me. Mm-hmm. You know? I keep thinking you're going to warm up to me, and you never do. I do. This is as warm as I get. Oh, come on. You love to be warm. I know. Your wife and I talk about this all the time. Tell her I said hi. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot yeah. about your layers. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Um, you guys, just so y'all know, I'm going to eventually release all of these after, well, one of us will be dead. I'm going to release all of the pre-flights <laughs> so you can hear how imperious John is. Uh, how are you feeling about that race? What? Oh, one of us give is going to be dead. Who's, who's going to die first? I'm, I'm, oh, put your hands. Who's having their ass checked this month? Let's check one. Yeah. You should have already had this done. Oh, I had it done. I was perfect. It was flawless down uh, there. Mine's, uh, you mine's dinner going in my to ass. be, uh, I'm going to end up with a diagnosis of ulcerative colitis. So that'll be awesome. No, I've got that one. You should get Crohn's disease. That way we could be no, like, my sister has that one, but I don't have that one. Oh, no. That's the bad one. That's what yeah, Eisenhower no, had, John. That's the bad one. But anyway, that's what I'm going to get. How did you come up with that with a clean bill? What are you talking about? Well, that's you why said, I had it, John. I know. Well, but but so, so you didn't get a clean bill. Well, I got as clean a bill as one could have with irregular patterns on their intestine. Yeah, no, mine's going to be a mess. It's called a skipping pattern, John. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, you ever heard of enteric? Have you ever heard of enteric aspirin? Have you ever heard of it? You, people complain about the toe, but this is going to be worse. I was trying to save this for next week because my thing is scheduled on Monday or for the next episode, oh, rather. John, I'm sorry. Oh, you're dreading this. I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, I, I still think you're very imperious with me. And if you do, God, God forbid, God, you don't believe in forbid. If you mm-hmm. if you die in the operating theater, I'll be bummed because I'm going to have to replace you. Did you hear my idea that that the only person I know who should not only get to go to their own funeral but have to see their own funeral is you? Have you heard that? That's not how death works. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Have you just never watched a TV show where somebody stages I mean, their own funeral? This is like a Tom Sawyer thing where I'm not mm-hmm. really dead, but I'm pretending yeah. to be. You mean stride today's Tom Sawyer? Yeah. Yeah. I just I think it would be so salesman. funny because other people salesmen. No, that's a different God. Come on, read a book. <laughs> 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 See, I got you a little bit. I gotta put a little heater under you. Should I put on the apron? You want me to? I can just put it across my lap if you want. No, no, no salesman. I did a special set. Salesman, I did mm-hmm. a, a special setup for you tonight. I've I've done a bespoke lighting scene uh, for tonight. That's all with your nano with your nano leaves. My nano's leaf. I have <laughs> mostly purple, some red. I've also got my plant grow lights on. It's not helping the aloe at all. Spoiler alert. And I've also gone into dark mode on my Mac, which I never do. So it's very hard for me to see anything in here. But you know, I I try to keep I try to keep this relationship healthy. I try to keep it you know, moving forward, you know? And uh, and I feel like you're there just like listening to me silently. Yeah. Twirling, twirling. Twirling. Is that a U2 song? No. Ever forward, you want to keep this relationship moving forward? Oh, ever forward, twirling. Tw- was it Yates? Who is that? No, that's uh, a... Center cannot hold. It's, it's either Kang or Kodos. Oh, how <laughs> to serve humans. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember. The, the, <laughs> it's part of the speech with the, the, the uh, abortions for some tiny American flags for others. That's very good. You know what else I love? I love, I love when the other bumper sticker says, don't blame me, I voted for Kodos. Mm-hmm. That's still funny to me. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's uh, uh, Reconcilable Differences with John Syracuse. You are listening to episode 201 of John's program. I'm his little monkey, Merlin. And no matter what I do, I never earn his love. 
I hope you're nice to your children. I've seen you be nice to your children. Could you just act like I'm your child, daddy? <laughs> Do you remember? I'm reminded of the uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. No, oh. the uh, the article. The, how was it? Ms. Magazine. What's that women's magazine? It's like McClare's, McCaskill's. McCall's. McCall's. Maybe that's what it is. That was it. That was it. I only knew that because my mom used to get it when I was a kid. I got to write it in here. How would you know that? What what is it? McCall's. Okay. It was an an article uh, many years ago. (laughs) It was called like, I was Elon Musk's starter wife. Oh, God. Uh, And it was uh, like an article... Oh God! His... What that poor woman had to like when he was still when he still had the hair of a of a of, of a man. I don't think it was that long ago, but anyway, it was, can, you, you mentioned can you just pretend that I was your child? And I'm reminded of his line of his wife would say to him, "You know, I'm your wife. I'm not your employee." And you know what he would say back? No, what? If you were my employee, I would fire you. Oh, lol. Yeah, yeah. I just... Can you just pretend you're my kid? If you're my I kid, just... Merlin, I would fire you. <laughs> I can't afford your loyalty. That's right. <laughs> and you, you don't need my pride. Um, Mean, mean pride? Is that the kind of pride you're talking about? No, I mean pride in the name of love. Read, a, read another book. Read a second yeah. book. A mean idea to call my own. It means a small idea, right? Not like an angry, not, like an angry, not nice idea, but a no. small idea. I consider you, well, a thumbnail sketch, a, a jeweler's sim- stone. Right, one hand, one heart, a simple prop to occupy my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a mean idea, meaning like a small idea, because mean can mean small. Am I correct on that? Yeah, you are. Also, it's one of those words like nice that used to mean something very different. It always mean Walgreens nuts. <laughs> Before it became a brand. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does the brand have an exclamation point or no? I think it's implied. I don't think they could afford an exclamation mark. Like Yahoo mark. with the actual exclamation, the exclamation marks. are in a different part of the Walgreens jail. Mm-hmm. You have to unlock. Um, follow up. Okay. Uh, first bit, uh, last episode. I'm very proud of us. I want to say I'm super proud of us. Oh, come uh, for, on. For, for, really? For two reasons. For two reasons. One, <laughs> I'm very proud of us. I, for I, reaching... bet I, I bet I agree with the second reason, which is we never said anything. Yeah. <laughs> for the first reason is that we reached episode 200 of our program. That was the last episode that we released. And second, Ugh. I'm very proud of, of us for neither of us mentioning it, despite the fact that we both knew it was episode 200, because right in the document that we both stare at while we record, it said episode 200. So it's right. not like we forgot about it. It right. was in there. But we managed to not mention it. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and what I said uh, in the notes last week, which you allowed, because you, you are, you are of, there's so many things about you that are really objectionable. The letterboxed thing. We, but the, but <laughs> I, saw, I saw that you wrote letterbox hyphen D-E-E in some document you were doing. Yeah, in some document I was doing. It's my profile saying find my letterbox. D's nuts. See? See? So you're you're on board. You're on board with the bit. Oh my God, John. Can do you can you also count the number of toothpicks when they fall on the floor? John, I'm making fun of you because you're wrong, but that's that is one reason you're execrable. But, but it's a bit. Do you understand it's a bit? Oh, sorry. You explained it. And oh, you're and you're okay. you're playing with me in the space. I <laughs> see you could be funny. Mm-hmm. You could be. Mm-hmm. You want the apron? No. Thank you, Daddy. Um, John doesn't like to laugh. <laughs> he doesn't want to adopt me. Why can't you just? Why I can't you just? I, you know, they were asking if anybody remembered it. I don't. No, no one remembers laughter. Not even Robert Plant at this point. The the. The thing is, though, we did 200 of these, and what I said in the document, and you were kind to allow this, and what I was going to say is, despite you have so many personality flaws, 
um, that you just you just don't even see them. You know, you're you're nothing to you, right? But you did let me leave that in. What I said last week was seriously, hey, thank you. This is the important part, John. Let's talk about something important, which is, hey, thank you to everybody who is either, I don't know, you could be new here, you could be old here, but we've been doing this for a while, uh, and I'm grateful that you all are listening. And as much as I like to give stick to John, because somebody needs to give stick to John, it can't just be me and Casey, we're carrying you like a baby! But I am grateful to get to do this with you, because I really do enjoy uh, hanging out with you, and uh, you're a great pal to have, and I'll never repeat this, but it is, is a delight to do this, and I'm super grateful, not just for the money stuff, but like people, there's a handful of people, mostly on Mastodon, who like the show, and that makes me happy. So I wanted to say thank you to everybody, and thanks to the Suits for having us on in the first place. Do you want to thank anybody, John? Um, I know the answer to all this. The, all the same people that you thanked, I would like to thank, of course. You can't. You, you, cover, you covered everybody. Um hmm. Yeah, so we did 200, and that's great. Uh, but then the other thing that we did, and this was your idea, uh, you may not have I, noticed. I did this, I did this. Yeah, you may not have noticed, but in episode 200... Uh, <laughs> What's that different guitar lick? <laughs> yeah, I, so, well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, if you are a member, a Relay member, and you support uh, Reconcilable Differences, you get a special members-only feed that has this show with no ads in it, but it also has... Uh, extra content at the end of every other episode. Someone was asking on Mastodon recently, like, it seems like sometimes it's extra content, but it's like random. It's not random. Right. It's literally every other episode. I was trying to figure out when I was typing that tweet, speaking of picking your words, if you write every other episode, you're like, do people know what that means? Or do they right. think it means like every... Well, do you think it's like <clears throat> semi-annual and biannual? So, yeah, well, no, not because when like, you see like, it... Like, like, I never remember can, which is which, and when I was a child, I thought inflammable meant, meant it couldn't catch well, on fire. And then you got bi-weekly, which means both things that you think it means, it's a mess. But like when you say it I'm out like, loud... I'm you say, curious. You say every other episode. Mm -hmm. Spoken, I think people understand what you mean, but when you write it, it's every space, other space episode, and you're like, what does that mean? Then so you I was say, gonna, if maybe, you say it like, you and I, have you, you just have already done this once. I do it pretty much every episode. Notice I did not say every week, because here's the thing. We often refer to this episode as being synonymous with a week when you and I both, mm -hmm. of course, I know usually it's correct not. myself. Well, we usually catch ourselves and say it was the next like episode. It's to a, a minor. I might slip in. Anyway, so I considered oh. saying every alternate episode. Oh, I love alternate, but people people don't people think alternate and alternative yeah, mean the same yeah. thing. And then I also considered looking up to. I have never actually looked at this. I also considered looking up whether it's the odd numbers or the even numbers that have the extra content. But I maybe that will change if we ever mess up the numbering. So anyway. What we do is Once an episode with extra, an episode without. An episode mm -hmm. with extra, an episode without. An episode with extra, an episode... That's what every other episode Ketchup. means when I say it. Ketchup. Yeah. That's, it, yeah, that's the way it works. Uh, on the website, it says uh, monthly extra content. Because we release episodes every two weeks, that means every month has at least one episode with extra content, but some, week, some months end up having five Tuesdays in them, and you might end up with, uh, you know, two episodes with extra content. So anyway... John's too busy to working saying. on his, I mean, John, we, we started that because you had a job, like a person, but then when you started working on your own and mainly focusing on your doc replacement app, like mm -hmm. you could have chosen to do this weekly, but you very much did not. You chose deliberately yeah, no, not to I, I, keep it there, fresh. I'm trying, the whole point is to leave room for other new things to not just take the existing things and just expand and fill the space. That's actually a really good idea. Damn. Anyway. Yeah, um, right. 
So in episode 200, Merlin said, you know what? I really liked that after show, which is what sometimes we refer to the extra content. Can we just include that in the regular feed? So Ooh. if you are not a member and we're just listening to the regular Reconcilable Differences feed, <laughs> Why is you, may three have, hours long? <laughs> yeah, you may have noticed that episode 200 was a little bit longer than normal. There's a there's a, a, an extra little guitar riff that you have, may have never heard before. That little guitar riff is in all of the members episodes that have extra content. And it signifies here's when the regular episode ended. But your episode, because you're a member and it's because it's one of those alternate weeks, your episode's <laughs> going to go on, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody like last episode got a taste of what it's like to hear our after shows. What do we talk about in the after shows? Pretty much the same stuff we talk about now, although sometimes we're a little bit looser. Rowan is yeah. slightly more likely to cry. Like I'm slightly more likely to cry, and um, I feel, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the loosening up is probably, or warming up is, is another way to put it. But as something I've been encouraging in shows in which I participate is if there is like an after show or an especially long episode, have a little break in between, which really works out great for me because I can evacuate my bladder and I get a chance to like rest for a minute. And, um, and I think we are a little bit looser and you didn't ask me, but I mean, I, I like what we both said last week. And I think, I don't know, this show brings out a nice side of you, despite yourself, everything you do to try and protect yourself, all the, the shell, the the various kinds of keloids that you built up over the years. I think I think it's nice when you get to hear John talking about his mongoose bike. Well, bike sometimes really it's just nice. random BS that we don't want to put in the or, main show. Sometimes yeah, we it's sensitive stick media topics. There. Media makes sense to stick there on the one hand because if it's a spoiler, you're going to like spoil fewer people. And they, you know, you might feel kind of miffed, but it's also I always feel like that's if anything, that's where I feel like. Not not because we necessarily like you know oh give us your money although that is literally a URL I own three versions of is someone giving someone money that um I think it's where it's more fun to kind of unwind and turn on the lights a little bit and talk about feelings and um I liked last week's a lot so last week we and you have to show you did it like twice now I just said we always catch ourselves now you're making me a liar holy crap this is last so bad. episode yeah alternate episode ago we. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about things we kind of wished that we had as a kid that we kind of wish our kids had had as a kid. Anyway, I, I liked it a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I hope y'all did too. Yeah. It's nice and to hear John is, talk about things. And this is something that, that you do and do by Friday, at, le- at least one of the podcasts you do, do by Friday, occasionally put the members only content <laughs> in the regular feed to give people taste so they know what they're missing. So if you heard that or, and you yeah, said kind of but it's also just alex and i i'm i'm man enough well, to well, you're I'm, you're a mess lately yes i get that what are you talking about <laughs> your Physically? before shows the thing you record first ends up being the after did show you, you listen released... to that alex uh, did you listen to that john did you hear what you alex know, did which one am i uh you released like four hours worth of content alex in two is days. drunk dialing trans people on one of three different tiktok accounts how am i supposed to respond to that oh that's good I, alex I, keep I, doing that that's gonna turn out great I heard, I heard the content. Heard, I'm just saying that there's a little like the regularity there is. Unlike lacking. you, I care about my friends, and I say let, so. Let me, fin- let me finish making the pitch. So, if you liked what you heard on episode 200 with the extra content, and you want to hear that every other episode, uh, go to relay.fm/rd/join. Sign up to become a member. RDRR. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Zocdoc. You can learn more about ZocDoc right now by visiting ZocDoc.com slash differences. It is no fun when you have to go to your doctor's appointment and you, you expect to be the center of attention like I so frequently am. 
And then your doctor seems like, you know, they got better stuff to do, you know, better places to be. And instead of listening to you intently and asking you how you feel and, and, and listening, uh, the doctor's out, uh, they're checking on the clock. That's no good. Well, here's the thing. On ZocDoc, you're going to find quality doctors who focus on you, who listen to you, and who prioritize your care. So ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, who take your insurance, who are available when you need them, and who treat almost every condition under the sun, which is really quite a different thing from a lot of the experiences I've had with going to the doctor. Sounds pretty good to me. So listen, uh, no more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor uh, whom you simply just haven't met yet. That's pretty good. I like that. Millions of uh, people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood uh, who's patient-reviewed and who fits their needs and uh, schedule mm, just right. Magnifique. So what you do is you go to ZocDoc.com slash differences. But it's kind of difficult to say. ZocDoc.com slash differences. And yet I'll never forget it. Uh, and you're going to go download the ZocDoc app for free. Okay, then you can find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. ZocDoc.com slash differences. Our thanks to ZocDoc for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Hey, John, uh, how, I think I know when you realize this, if you realize this. How do you know when you've done a good episode of a podcast? And I'm not, I'm not talking about like, you know, when Slice Stallone slides into Flophouse. I mean, like, you know, there's, we all probably have our own reasons why we like a particular episode of a particular podcast. But, did, like, did you know after the Toaster episode or the Steve Jobs bio, or Tiva or um, Game Controllers, like, how soon do you know, in whatever way you look at it, that, as I would say, that was a good one? And I'm stealing that from Andre Torres, but everybody knows that. This will shock you to learn. But I find that it's I'm much better at knowing when I've made a bad episode. <laughs> yeah, because that's where my skill set lies. In knowing Is there when any things consistency? Are, to... Knowing when things are bad and mm -hmm. why they're bad. Uh, not that they're bad, bad, but anyway. Um, no, because like a lot of it is a wild card because what people enjoy hearing may not be the same thing as I enjoy talking about. I have plenty of episodes that I think I have a blast like recording them and then people are like, meh, they're fine. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, I, but I enjoyed them all out of proportion with how much uh, people enjoy listening. And I have other ones where I worry that some aspect of it will not find an audience and then it ends up being like a cult classic or something. So who knows? Like, it's not something I dwell on, really. It's, it's really not something I dwell on in terms of like wondering if it will be a hit. No, I, I, no, I figured not, but I'm, I'm just curious because you do, unlike certain people I do shows with, I, I think you like podcasts by and large as a medium and as a thing. And I better like them. I listen to enough of them. Yeah, I do too. Hmm. Well, um, it, do you, so to, it's not really technically the 200th anniversary. It's more of it's more of a kind of a personal bicentennial. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should have issued a quarter. Mm -hmm. hmm. Remember that was a big deal, and it said at the bottom. Uh, you were probably too young to remember this, but it said at the bottom. It said 1776 to 1976, where it usually had just the year it had been minted. You could mm -hmm. say, "Is this coin from Denver? Where is it from?" Yeah, yeah, I had I had the coins. I was too young to know it when it happened, but I was uh, young and uh, old, and, young enough. I am old enough, and I was old enough at the time to have the coins. Yeah. Effect. I think I use mine on laundry. Uh, first up, we're doing drawing? Yeah. Bring it. I don't remember how long ago I put this topic in here, but you've talked about it a, a lot on other shows, ago. and I find it fascinating. I think we might have even talked about it 
on this show, but it's a type of thing that's not that hasn't gone away that you've only you've come back to several times on other shows as as a thing that is, that is if not a thing that you're doing, that is a thing that is on your mind or both. And that is your drawing. Right. Your your artwork, your like. I mean, there's I, lots well, of things. I, that... I would put it as I mean, because believe it or not, I used to actually get money for being a quote unquote 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 designer but mm -hmm. like i'm talking about like with it could be with an apple pencil shut up mm -hmm. but like but with a stylus pencil or pen in hands putting that to paper and and drawing it's uh, it's it's my it's my vietnam yeah the two the two parts of this that i can recall hearing about was one i remember there was a part where there was a stint where you were like talking about your experience of uh trying to draw things that look good like you see something in the world or can picture something in your head and you want to be able to make a drawing on a, on a piece of paper with a, a pencil or something that looks like the thing you see or are thinking of and then the other thing that i have heard about uh more recently is you drawing more as a kind of diversion or activity not so focused on the end product but more focused on the process because of I, i'll say it all not quite therapy adjacent but more like just a fun way to unwind and mm -hmm. just see what this thing is as opposed to uh what i would call if you like illustration yeah illustration is what i'd love to be great at. yeah exactly and then the final thing i'll say is one of the things i heard you talk about a lot is how much you want wish you could do that first thing drawing representative things or whatever mm -hmm. better than you can and how cool that would be yeah and so i'd love for you to talk about yeah, any one of those things all three of them together or however you want to take sure, a crack absolutely. at it like where are you at with the drawing what is what role does this play in your life now what is the goal and how's it going well there's i don't think there's a goal but um boy i i'm i i had a realization because this has been sitting in our doc as you just said for at least a year or two and then it's been coming up a lot. It's It's been our, like, we almost get to it topic every week, and thank God we haven't until now. But I, I think I, I might be able to tie this up with a pretty bow. And I, again, I'll avoid all the, the, the prologue stuff, except to say that I think I'm good at some things. I, 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 I do. I mean, I think, like, there's things where, like, spoiler, I, I think I have a somewhat natural ability at certain kinds of things, like everybody, right? I think it's not simply that like I want to be good at being able to draw what I see, but I don't want it to be difficult. <laughs> and I get really frustrated with myself. This kind of came up when y'all were talking about AI, one of the million times you're talking about AI, especially with regard to like, oh God, you guys just talked about this. Was it Getty Images is suing mm -hmm. because AI models actually included like that, 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 you know, sort of um, wackadoo. Oh God, what's the game my kid's playing right now? Um, one you recommended, not gone home, but Last of Us. No, the other one. Um, uh, with the, the with Chloe, uh, blue haired girl. What remains of Finch? It might have been. Well, what's the one with the, the blue haired girl and time travel? Like, what What remains of Edith Finch? Right. Mm, I think it's it's. Anyways, and like I love that that style, the style of the art. Like I left my kid was at a crazy wall trying to figure out whether dogs were drugs or something, and <laughs> um. It's 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 everything but the character design is amazing. Life, life is strange, true colors. Yeah. I can't tell. Yeah, what, what? it's life is strange. That's it. Life is strange. Okay, uh, the original one or true colors? I think it's a very very old one because I'm gonna have to talk her mouth like this. <laughs> yeah, oh, forgive Todd, me for Todd not your judgment on what is a newer old. <laughs> Todd game. Bethesda drew that one himself, uh, but um, but uh, I 
but and yeah, so anyway, the Getty Images thing was in there. Um, because you guys were saying, well, it's you know exactly how different is it? I guess the courts will decide on some level, but it's one thing to say, well, I well, for example, as somebody who writes, I draw a lot of very direct influences from certain writers that I really admire. I think Kurt Vonnegut would be one. Not so much any specific one thing, not Kurt Vonnegut's bits, but like the the sort of heavy breathiness of his style. Um, breathiness? Breath, breathiness of the wild? I wish it came easily to me, and it frustrates me that I, in the same way that like you could look at something and go, oh yeah, well obviously you are very influenced by say Paul Cezanne. Like there's something that's very elemental, not you, but one. You could look at somebody and go like, I want to miss in 20th century painting. That whole idea, like we never would have had Brock and Picasso doing cubism if it hadn't been for Cezanne and his very simple, like little village buildings that were basically, you know, a rect- <laughs> like a child draws a house, like a, a rectangle with, with a triangle on it. And I can tell that what I'm drawing is not what stuff looks like. Last piece of prologue, I've been like this my whole life. I've always been terrible at it. And I've made some pretty game, like scheduled efforts to do stuff like really work my way through drawing on the right side of the brain and things like that. But, you know, what it comes down to is I'm, I don't want to say I'm envious, but I really admire people like you. Oh, you know, when this came up again, duh, when that wonderful artist drew your your video game character. And we, you know, you shared that um, Mm -hmm. time lapse of, of, uh, drawing it and i'm just like that's but there was okay there's an ad probably in time magazine around the time the mac came out i i i just i know this because this would have to be the mid 80s almost exactly but anyway it might have been the late 80s but there was an ad for a color printer might have been later but any the point is they say okay at 72 dots per inch you can see that this is a tree do you remember this ad you know at you know, whatever, 200 dots per inch, you can see that this is a, a tree. Well, anyway, at 300 dots per inch, you can see that this is a tree that has been painted onto a person. You know, sort of like one of those reality shows where you have to make somebody look like grocery store shelves or something. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, I think about that. That was, what, 40 years ago? And I still think about that so much. I thought about it today watching my kid play video games where I'm like, it's amazing that, you know, you learn this when you're learning design. You learn about all the different layers to design there's there's shapes there's colors yes there's texture there's typefaces there's um blank space like um you know like negative capability kind of stuff keats kind of stuff there's all these different things and like it's just that for some people it comes so much more intuitively so yes absolutely on the one hand i'm saying i wish i were good at this and didn't have to try but it's also that i just i'm i so admire people who can just who just doodle and it looks like a thing. They make three or four lines and it looks like a Medigliani. And I, everything I do is so ridiculously left brain. It's really embarrassing. And, and, and so like the two things in life that I've had this about biggest things, I mean, apart from having a personality is like learning, learning, knowing how to play piano and knowing how to draw. Like I'm pretty okay as a musician. I can, I can tell you when that's a G chord and stuff like that. But those are the things where I look at people, I'm like, you are magic. Like, to be able to draw something, like drawings you sent me, that you did when you were a kid, like you were drawing like, drawing like hobgoblins and stuff, right? Like, 
you drew these great fantasy. We, we were drawing stuff from uh, your buddy over on Patreon, right? You were drawing mm-hmm. like fantasy, and like it, but it just looks so good. And I don't know if I'm, I'm certainly envious. Envious, too strong a word. I admire that skill, and yeah, I admire the work it takes to get not bad at it. But you know, and it's even it's not even just that I want to clap out of it. I just I'm like, Argh. like what what limitless or like you said last week about telekinesis is it just some block is there something do i need to just take mushrooms and i'll be a good artist like i don't know what it would take to unlock my brain but that's the long short version well so you said you said you wish it was easier because i guess the difficulty that you find you wish you found it easier because the difficulty you find in doing it is what frustrating like like i i have so there's this wonderful book called drawing on the right side of the brain that that i have i think is a very very good book um, because it teaches you or points you, and I won't say teaches you, it points you in the right direction to understand, call it right brain, left brain, whatever you want to call it. But there's a very, there's a sort of a more intuitive and very physical way you, you can draw. But like when you're trying to make something that your brain tells you looks like a face, you're going to end up, in my case, like with a circle, with two circles and a smile and a nose that doesn't look anything like a nose. And in fact, farting around produces better results than me actually trying to draw like a bowl of fruit. And it's, it's just so, it's so impossibly left brain. And, and you know, we're like, you know, like the way, like I said a minute ago about kids drawing houses. And like when I was little, I think probably like a lot of kids, when you draw the chimney on top of that little Paul Cezanne house, until you figure out how to do it, you do that, you know, that chimney that you might do it like sideways from the roof or you aren't thinking about what is and is not in in the frame. And that's before you even get into stuff like light and texture and all of those things. And I don't know, I just have such a, I don't know, I really, I, I love looking at stuff like that. I love watching people make stuff like that, but I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I'm a little envious of that. So you wish it was easier and you like the idea of being able to do it because like what my main question is like, why drawing? Like, there's a million things you could say that about. I wish I could, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do backflips. I wish I could shoot a basketball from half court. Like, there's a million things that people can do that you can't do. But why drawing? Why is drawing one of the things that you think about? And you're like, boy, I wish it could be better at that. Does it seem like because it seems like it's more attainable than you know, shooting the half court mm-hmm. basketball or doing the backflip or like, is there something specifically about drawing that like, well, to quote Morrissey, you know, I want the one I can't have and it's driving me mad. But there's a million you can't have. Like you can't pole vault either. Like there's just so many. <laughs> I don't want to put out fires or do open heart surgery. You don't but... want to buy anything sold, processed or bought. Mm-hmm. I'm a regular Lloyd Dobler. Um, why is it that in particular? Um, I think, I mean, I, I don't I hate to sound quite this basic, but I think the delta between how much I enjoy visual art and design and, you know, and whether it's, you know, could just be, could, could be cleverness. It could be, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I am basic, John. Where like, if I look at that, those like medieval memento mori kind of paintings. And if you look at it from this angle, you can see there's a skull pattern in it or something like that. I, I think, or, or, you know, obviously like probably like you as a weird little kid, I grew up loving stuff like MC Escher. You know, I liked having my brain broken by art and having the artifice behind two-dimensional representation really screw with my brain. There's no way those steps could do that. And yet I can't see where the scene is, right? Um, why not other things? I don't know. Maybe because the, the, maybe the, the, it's the, it's, it is that vast gulf between how much I enjoy 
and kind of wish I could do that versus like what my actual skills are. And I have, I've never taken like classes beyond like art class in elementary school. I didn't, I wasn't like tutored at it. Like I, you, you took like classes, right? Mm-hmm. In addition to like having a natural ability. Um, why that? I, I think it's just because I really enjoy it so much. I said this before, but how do I know Paul Cezanne? It's the best class I had in college, even though I was mostly a book reading guy, was 20th century painting. And it, it changed my, I don't want to overstate it, but the class I took on, on gender and the class that I took on 20th century painting had the biggest impact on like changing how I see and then understand the world. And that's, it's natural to, I mean, I think most people who watch cooking shows, well, that's a dumb example, but you know what I mean? Like most people who watch cooking shows probably like eating food and would love to be able to make the kind of food that somebody like my sister-in-law just makes like ringing a bell. It's just, it comes so naturally to her from experience and from expertise. But, you know, I, I don't, as far as the goal, I mean, the goal is if I wanted to get good at this, I could have tried a lot harder a long time ago. Um, and that's why I, I feel like it's an unsatisfying topic for me because I don't, I mean, there's not a lot I can glean about my situation that isn't already obvious to anybody who knows me at all. Yeah, so in terms of the ease thing, I mean, I'm sure that any sort of professional artists that are listening to this may be thinking the same thing. Um, yes, there is an aspect of uh, a sort of natural aptitude and inclination, but probably the most important aptitude or inclination that is relevant to this is the same as musical stuff, which is the inclination or aptitude to do it a tremendous amount. Absolutely. And then the reason you said like, oh, it's come so easy for these people. It's because kind of like you see someone you see playing the piano, like a virtuoso or anything like that. They put a tremendous number of hours into it. Just a huge, yeah. unbelievable, I, I, wasn't tr- I mean, I, I hope life I was consuming clear. number I'm not of saying hours. other people just have it and boo, I don't get that. It's, it's that I don't, e- I don't feel like I don't even have enough of a, uh, um, I don't have a, a foundation strong enough for anything to really stick to. But but go ahead. I, I yeah, well, what I'm saying is like that that uh, that makes it sound like you know I'm, I'm not saying that you're minimizing it or saying people just are naturally magically good at it. But what that means is that the thing you desire, unlike I would say uh, you know pole vaulting or whatever, is actually attainable by most people because in the end, pushing a pencil on a piece of paper is the thing that pretty much everybody can do. It's just a question of where to push it, right? And so <laughs> if you wanted to. And you would have to put in a huge number of hours and you could go very far, right? It's just a question of, okay, but like, as you said, but I don't want it. I, I wish it came easier. I don't want to have to put in thousands and thousands of hours into doing it. Yeah, in fact, if I'm yeah. starting now and I'm an old man, how many, you know, how long is it going to be before I can do anything decent? I should have, you know, I should have planted this tree 25 years ago. Um, but that's kind of like that's one of the barriers to drawing is that people look at it and immediately decide that they'll never be able to do that, which is almost always not the case. Again, unlike so many other skills. And I would say even unlike things like, um, I don't know, let's say singing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you could take all the singing lessons you want, but in the end, that might as well be pole vaulting. I mean, more than people realize yeah, it's like, it's very physical. It's very, especially if you're going to try and really sing, mm-hmm. like there's a lot to it that I still sing from my throat. I'm sharp. And I still like, I don't sing from my diaphragm. I mean, I sang my entire life. I was in, I said this to my kid cause I don't think he knew, like I was in like church plays and choir and glee club and like i was in all of those things and then stage band obviously 
But yeah, I mean, and I, but, but I, even just like the brain, the, the sort of the brain ear connection to hear what's coming out of your mouth and know if you're getting the note right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, there is there is a sort of uh, physiological athletic ability that you have to train. And in some aspects, there is like kind of like the pole vaulting, depending on your physique uh, and your genes that maybe, you know, Olympic caliber pole vaulting may forever be out of your reach just because the structure and genetics of your body. And in the Mm -hmm. same way, virtuoso singing may just, no matter how many hours you put into it, you're never going to be like an opera singer, right? Because physiologically, it's just not there for you. But drawing, on the other hand, everybody can push a pencil on a piece of paper. And like, again, you're not going to be the world's greatest artist, but there's no sort of, for the most part, physiological limitations that are going to stop you. Like, I want to run a marathon. Well, you, you know, you're, no matter how much you train, your lung capacity, I want to run a marathon under, you know, two hours, whatever, your lung capacity is never mm-hmm. going to get you there. Yeah, but right. that pencil, you can push it on the paper and there yeah, is nothing totally. stopping your pencil from being on any point of that paper at any time. If you're in one part of the paper, you know what I mean? I know. I, it's a, That's an instrumental point in my life, John. I totally agree. I, you can always put a mark on paper. I think, I think you could argue that the obvious example might be better, which is basketball. Like setting aside somebody or like sl- slam dunking, right? You're not going to do that well, if you're no, four feet no, tall. no, no. But I mean, even if you're like Spud Webb was what I don't know if he was under six feet, probably five, but five three, maybe. I mean, he was small, but look it up. there is there is something to be said given that you are up against these other Goliaths. But you could be real good at a horse's feed bag full of food. Mm-hmm. Did I get it? Horse's feed bag full of food. Spud Webb is five six. Huh? Five six. Five six. I don't know. See, now it sounds like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and like paper over my deficiencies by changing the topic, which is not what I mean to do here. But just to say, like, um, I really enjoy writing, <laughs> like a lot. And um, I, I'm always a little touchy about it because I'm not, I don't publish things for money anymore. And I mean, God, who would do that? Who would give me money for writing? But I really so thoroughly enjoy it. And that is, if I could say, to look at it from a different POV that, again, I'm really super not trying to chew my horn. We'll come back to beating up on me in a second. But like, for example, last night, I said to Billy, I've got a bit, I got a joke I want to do. So I'm going to make up this, the, 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 um, the conditions of this joke. And if you agree to it, I'd like to post this on Twitter. And I was asking for some. your video game joke? Mm-hmm. Mm. Did you, did you understand it? I, I have some complaints about it, but go on. Well, it wasn't for you, John. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. going to make a Nintendo joke to you. It was, it was right. It was exactly for me. It was, no. But the point is, and I sat there and I kept typing and changing and fixing and moving around. And I, something that's two, a sentence or two long, sentence or two in length, I could spend an hour on. And I disappear into it, and I really love it, and I can't tell you exactly why. And you, you don't have to like it, but if I like it, that's a good start. And if I get a little, a little tinkle, a little tingle, a little sizzly feeling, I'm like, oh, I can f- I'm so close. Just kind of like, like last week with Into Locketer, it's like I knew there was a joke there. I just couldn't put my hand on it. I find that so engrossing and so enjoyable and and feel free to make fun of me, but dude, look at most of the goddamn world. There are people with the Washington Post who should not be allowed to have a computer with a keyboard. There are people out there who are just not trying. They're not trying to make language say something more than words. And to find the, the music and what it is that you want to say is 
to me anyway. And I, I don't, yeah, I don't need you to like it. I hope you do, but I really enjoy that. And I wasn't always great at it, but because I was a word guy and a reader, as it turned out, that was a more natural direction. So like I can, if you gave me a topic right now, I could not only come up with a limerick on the spot, but I could make it in the style of the person that you chose because that's how my brain works. So, you know, maybe I don't get your, your, your pride well, or your sympathy, but like what I'm saying is my brain is really wired. You, you, for, go ahead. You, you say, because that you, you said I could do X, Y, and Z. And then your reason was because that's how my brain works. But I would say uh, to that is how many pages of writing have you created in your life? Like if you put a stack of them next to you, how many pages would it be? And then no, I would it's say, a good point. It's a very how many point. pages of drawing it's a lot. have you created in your life? Put that stack next to your writing. And then you're saying, well, I can do that because that's <laughs> John, how my brain John, works. You're, you, you, keep, you keep wanting to get straight to the part where you give me a lecture about how I'm not trying hard enough. And what I'm trying no, to say to no, you, no, it's the reason I'm trying. not trying is because I think like a normal effing human being, I tend to want to do the things mm -hmm. that come less difficultly. Mm-hmm. Well, and that you enjoy. You just got done saying it because the, because yeah. you enjoy you enjoyed that process. You just. But I feel described. like you keep telling me to go back to the back to my uh, you know get my shine box and go back to the drawing board. No, which no. Is but I'm saying true. like is that you're reinforcing what I said before that like you, you described the process of of honing writing and the fact that you enjoy that process and you yes. enjoy the output. Uh, and I think as I said earlier, the main skill that you need to get good at a thing is not so much the skill of doing the thing. But the the sort of the the desire to repeatedly try to do it right, like so to do how to do the hours of practice on the piano, to do the thousand drawings, or in your case, to do you know pages upon pages upon pages of writing that you sweat over. Like, it, it, is it the skill in writing that is important? Well, that that helps, and you have that, but also the enjoyment of the process of writing, yeah. which makes you do it over and over and over and over well, again. Or think and about an athlete. Think about an athlete training. And like, if, you're, if your son hated running, he wouldn't be doing track. Like, yeah, for athletes, it's like, we talked about this before with like Michael Jordan and stuff, like the competitive drive, these people who have it almost to a degree of pathology where the, the drive to win is like all consuming in their life. Whatever it is that drives, hopefully you'd have a, a better driver. Like you're, you're not doing the, the writing to be competitive, but like there is something that drives you to do the thing repeatedly. And that is so much more important, I think, than whatever particular aptitude that you have. Like you said, when you started writing, it probably wasn't very good, but you got better pretty quickly because you did it so much because you mm -hmm. like doing it. And that's why it's not a, a question of working hard, because it doesn't feel like work when you're doing a thing that you enjoy, when you're driven to write, yeah, to, when, to when edit, you enjoy, to enjoy, But also, like, when you think about in any area of expertise, <clears throat> I feel like one element of that is domain expertise. I don't know if that's exactly the word I'm looking for, but this, this thing of like, oh, you know, and I guess you could think of that as well. I understand the tools that I'm using to draw or like if I'm a drafts person, a, an architect, like I understand how to use a T square and the triangle and the French curve and all those kinds of things. That's, that's absolutely part of it. But I mean, I also know people who were just very gifted musicians in general, especially on like guitar style string instruments. I don't know if you ever played a Chapman stick, but they're really, really, they're kind of weird. And I've known people, I, I, this one particular guy, where like the first time he ever picked up a Chapman stick, he could like, within like 30 seconds, he could kind of pluck out a blues tune. Now, is that is that because he rehearsed a lot? Yes. Is that because he tried a lot? Yes. Is that because he probably had some really kind of like nascent, like basic ability or an, if you like an ear for melody? All of those things, all of those things. 
you know what it is? It's like with word stuff, if I have to, if you give me the requirements, you give me like the the tone that you want, what it's for. Remember when you remember when you first taking like actual writing classes in like junior high or high school, maybe learn the five paragraph essay, but remember you, you have to learn to write a persuasive essay. You have to learn to write a, what are the other ones? But there's just different types of essays. I always love that idea that in order to get better at this, I'm going to give you like a goal for this, right? Your goal for this is to persuade me that this is a good idea or change my mind, right? So you have to use evidence and, and those sorts of things. And I think that, I, I think that's, you know, so like, again, the old bit about playing guitar, it's not how many years you play, it's how many hours you play. I think that's what you're describing with the pages. I, I might still have it in, I might still have it in. But, but not know. in the, like I said, but not in the puritanical work ethic type thing, but only in this sort of like the, the, the important uh, attribute is the enjoyment of doing it that drives you to repeatedly do the thing, right? Because nobody mm-hmm. is, well, for the most part, you know, there may be some exceptions for musical instruments, people who are forced to do it as children or whatever, but for the most part, uh, as an adult with free will and no parents telling you what to do, you have to be driven to to do the activity over and over again by something, usually by enjoyment, if it's not a professional thing, right? Or, I mean, like, again, a pivot here is like, well, it's it may not be that I initially love playing soccer, but I really like this group, this particular group of friends, especially these three friends that are doing it. And I couldn't imagine not having the opportunity to do something with them. And then through sort of a side door, you may, might end up enjoying soccer because you had the basis for committing to do it. Yeah, some, sometimes there's some there's like a hump that you have to get over mm-hmm. because everybody enjoys a thing when when they get the feedback that it seems like they're good at it, right? And some some things, especially if something is has a has, doesn't have a big ramp, uh, if you do it a few times, you gain enough aptitude, and that becomes some musical instruments like that, if, and it becomes impressive to other people, and that feedback loop feeds on itself because everyone's impressed that you can play the piano when you're like a little kid, you play Twinkle Twinkle, and you get that feedback from the parents, and you know, like or uh, playing a sport and you know, sports usually have a higher ramp up because everybody sucks it up in the beginning. But if you get the feedback that people say, hey, you're really good at whatever. And then like you like that feedback and it'll sort of snowball. Sometimes you have to be forced to do a thing or like you're just playing soccer because it's social. But eventually, if the feedback is, hey, you realize you're the best soccer player in your group of friends. And then the coach in high school wants you to play and that and people look up to you because you're on the soccer team. Like there are lots of things that can be driving you to do it. Extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. But the bottom line is, that you are you find yourself driven to do the thing repeatedly and you get better at it. And I'm looking at this Chapman stick here. I have to look up what it is because I had no idea. I think probably the best known, at least in my circles, is probably Tony Levin, the guy with the big mustache and uh, bald mm-hmm. man who's in King Crimson and other bands. Yes, yes, I can picture that now. And and so the the we'll put a link in the show notes so you can see what it is. But it's it's like a it's like a, a guitar with just neck with lots of strings on it. <laughs> Basically, is mm-hmm. how I describe it. And it, it was it kind of got came out and got popular around the same time <clears throat> as the Steinberger bass. Those ones that didn't have like uh, typical um, headstocks and tuning pegs. Mm-hmm. Remember those? They were like, I'm sure you remember this. It was like the the bass that everybody in like a new wave band played. And they kind of look like that. But anyways. The reason I'm thinking of that, though, is uh, that is an example. I'm, the thing that comes to mind when I look at that is uh, if you are an experienced programmer and have spent your professional life programming, uh, encountering a new programming language becomes not daunting at all because right 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 kind of like the chapman stick it's like okay i've never even seen this instrument before yeah, like but, what, how, what are the intervals how hard do i push down yeah right that kind of thing and i and i understand and and that you have so many fundamentals in terms of like the structure of music and all the music theory you know and then you have actual physical skill in your hands like oh, i know i know how to push strings against frets and these like <laughs> right. this is different it's wider they're different there's more strings but so much of my skill transfers and it's really just a question of 
okay, how does this particular stringed instruments with frets work? What are the details here? And then you're off to the races and you get to leverage all the skills you built up on all the other string instruments that you know. And it's like, how is that possible? You magically know this instrument. That's really a point. And like, or you can think about people again in athletics where maybe because of an injury or age or whatever it is, I guess the classic example would be, well, I used to play first base and now I coach. But another one would be uh, Pete Rose in that case, and I bet. But also the... Like maybe you can't, maybe you don't have the knees for that particular position anymore, but there could mm-hmm. be something else that you can do in it. But like, it's an interesting, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you know about uh, it. Mean, I mean, it's exactly like you were saying before of like, oh, I'm writing these limericks or whatever. Uh, and then Twitter comes along. You've never written a tweet before, but guess what? You're just like, look, just tell me the format. I'll get the vibe. I'll read the room. I got 140 characters. Oh, you've never tweeted before. Why are you so good at tweeting? It's like, I've done a lot of writing. I have the fundamentals of writing are applicable to this new format. I can write you a limerick. I can write a five paragraph essay. I can write a tweet. I can write a blog entry. Like the, the skills transfer. It's the mm-hmm. same way, you know, uh, the same way with drawing, same way with well, music well, To me, that's where cooking is a good example yeah. because a, a classic sort of hearty wintertime meal from leftovers could be the greatest thing you've ever had in your life. And so again, another one of my favorite words, context. The ability to take your skills and not just apply them to the thing you aspire to make, but to make again also to read the room, as you say. Like to me, that's that's real expertise. Is it goes beyond and like you could say to the first time Tony Levin picked one of those up. He was mostly a bass player before that. And Chapman Stick is like, I don't know why I'm talking so much about this, but it's very percussive. If you go watch like King Crimson circa 80, 83, 84 tour, like they, that's and it's almost like, or for that matter, think of Stanley Jordan. Did you ever see that guy? The guy in the eighties, he would play, you remember hammer-ons, like you think of hammer-ons as being like Eddie Van Halen, right? But hammer-ons and pull-offs, but, and then you get people like Jeff Watson and Night Ranger who can do like multiple finger hammer-ons. Well, um, Stanley Jordan had an aluminum guitar and he played, go, go look up Stanley Jordan. I think it's called the something touch of Stanley Jordan. And it was, it was kind of a, a cause celeb in the mid eighties. And he plays, basically plays it like a piano. He holds it's, it's in the same sort of like way you would hold a regular guitar. But it's got, I think it's got a slightly wider fretboard, but he is basically playing a guitar like a piano. And it's not really a gimmick. It's a completely different way. Or for that matter, another one of my favorites, I'm always talking about Adrian Ballou. That guy approaches that instrument so differently. And yeah, you probably didn't even realize he's playing on this or that talking head song. But like if if you if you listen to, for example, like Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club, or you listen to Ezimbra by Talking Heads, or like any of that classic era, or again, something like Elephant Talk by King Crimson, you're gonna instantly recognize that guy's sound. And like, what in the hell is I think even you could argue even more than Eddie Van Halen. I think Adrian Ballou completely changed that. But like anybody else, I think he's a kid from, I think, Kentucky. Like he's probably starting out, you know, playing with a broomstick on a cigar box like everybody else. Yeah, I'm just, I, uh, I'll put a link to this YouTube video I came up with from that Google search and show us I'd never seen this uh, Stanley Jordan guy. But yes, definitely. It's all a lot of fingers on the fretboard. Isn't he fascinating? But it, but I don't, but like it's, uh, you could see it as like a, I mean, uh, thinking of it now, and I loved that album. Uh, when it came out in mid '80s, and that was a time of a lot of virtuoso guitarists. I was at the time extremely into Ingvi Malmsteen, especially his band with Ron Keel called Steeler before he was in Alcatraz. And I, I just thought Ingvi Malmsteen was like the greatest thing I'd ever heard. And everybody knew, oh, you know, Ingvi, like he's black magic, and like he studied 
Bach and Paganini and like didn't even his mom brought him food for 12 years while he learned how to play the uh, Paganini's Capris and all that stuff. Uh, and it is actually, it's really quite astonishing, but that, you know, that was a big time for that. But the thing with Stanley Jordan is like, it's, it is like kind of, it's almost like listening to like Herbie Hancock or something. He's very jazzy, obviously. And anyway, I'm not sure where all this is going, but I do think the natural ish inclination is a really fertile, it's a fertile you know, ground in which to till your efforts. I think efforts, I mean, well, let me ask you this. Did you ever have stuff like this? Did you ever have stuff where like you wanted to be really good at X and you got frustrated that, <laughs> I imagine this happened to you a lot knowing you, but like, was there ever anything where you're like, oh, I wish I could be, like maybe you wanted to be a good DM or, you know what I mean? Maybe you wanted to be funny or you wanted to be, you know what, what I'm saying? What I'm saying I'm kind of amazed you've made it as far as you did. You know, I have a lot of books on Pearl, and those spines oh, are funny. clean. Wait, we watched we watched that the other day. <laughs> you know why they did it? It was out of respect. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash rd. Now, if you're being honest with yourself, uh, it's sometimes difficult to say that you're actually excited about the furniture in your house because, well, by design, it just, you know, sort of sits there. Uh, but, you know, the right piece can sometimes really make a room come together. It can breathe new life into your space. If you want to do that this season, you know what? Go check out Burrow. Burrow creates furniture informed by research. From their easy-to-move modular design to the durable, pet-friendly materials, Burrow's in-house design team made sure that their furniture doesn't just look good, it also works thoughtful, well-built furniture that people love. Plus, they have world-class service because even genius design needs a little help sometimes. The Burrow team is always available to lend a hand from custom orders to rescheduling and delivery. Plus, every order ships quickly and for free, which means you're going to save big time on larger items that can cost uh, three figures just to ship. This is the fifth time I've tried to record this ad, and I'm not doing very well, so I'm going to just keep plowing through. Three figures is a lot of figures, you know, is the thing. I'm not going to edit it. Burroughs' new union collection is their biggest, deepest, plushest, widest modular seating design to date, okay? The unique fabric is easy to clean and stain-resistant while still being super soft and comfortable, and it still gets shipped to your door for free, and it's a breeze to build. No tools needed. I have a Burrow couch. Uh, I like it a lot. I've had it for several years. Uh, I didn't even use a discount code, uh, to, to purchase it. it, it's got a, a Merlin Mann-shaped uh, butt imprint in it. And, uh, you know, I don't think yours will have that unless you order that edition of, you know, from the, with the genius design and whatnot. So Reconcilable Differences, uh, listeners, you're going to get 10% off your first order, okay? You go to burrow.com slash rd. That's rd. B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash rd for 10% off. And, and uh, Burrow, you know, go check it out. So our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I'll put a link in show notes to my hypercritical article, my original one that was at, at Ars Technica, where the where the whole this whole branding, my whole personal branding came from. Um, part of I, I like drawing. I like looking at drawings. I wanted to be able to do them. I spent a lot of time doing them because I found it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's it's kind of one of the areas where I did feel like I found my limits 
like mm. that I, you know, I had formal art lessons from, you know, and for most of my youth, because I demonstrated according to my parents anyway, some nat what they call natural ability or talent or whatever, as far as that goes yeah. at a young age. And they nurtured that by giving me actual formal lessons so I could actually learn things. And just, just lessons, so we're clear here, when you would take those classes, was it a, a general sort of art class or was it specifically like life drawing or like what kind of classes were you taking? It was, it was, it was private you, art you lessons. Did you do painting with, too? It was, paint? it was private art lessons with a single teacher and it was, we went through a sort of, a, uh, whether it was conscious or not, a ladder of media and things. So I started out doing pencil drawings and mm -hmm. then we moved up to charcoal. charcoal. Then mm -hmm. we moved up to oil pastels. And then we did move from oil pastels to watercolor and then from watercolor to acrylics and from acrylics to oils. I have no idea if that progression makes any sense, but it is it makes sense to me because it's what I went through. And in all well, those cases, they do kind of build on each other. I mean, I would not go straight to oils if you if you're yeah. the kind of artist that I am. Plus, you don't give a kid oil paint. They're really messy. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they take a long time to dry. Uh, and <laughs> what we were always doing in all of those phases is drawing from life for the most part. Uh, it may be fake life, like a little plastic horse instead of a real horse. And sometimes in the later things, it was making compositions out of pictures from magazines in addition to other stuff like photographs or whatever. Yeah. But that's what I was doing. And that was the, the good thing about formal lessons. And this was this was like once a week for, you know, most of my childhood uh, is that it forces you, quote unquote, forces you to practice in the same way that a lot of young kids, they don't want to practice a difficult instrument. Like a lot of instruments have a big learning curve before you get good at all. And no, there's kid some, there's some it. reed instruments. Like I, I, I sucked at trombone, but it wasn't because it was difficult. It's because it was no fun. But like I dated a girl who was a, an amazing French horn player. I know that's not a reed, but French horn's tough. The embouchure for that is rough. And anybody's ever had, God love you, people who've had to be in the house with somebody who's like learning clarinet, mm -hmm. it's really, it's difficult. And you don't, uh, you know, with guitar, I feel like, well, again, this is the color of my crystal. If you grind real hard on guitar for a month, you can pluck out, uh, <laughs> unlike Better Call Saul, you can pluck out Smoke on the Water like pretty well. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's still, there's always so much more room and all you see is your own limitations. And like, yeah, yeah. Like, think of a basic one, like a violin, uh, a very popular instrument that everybody no frets, sucks no at. No frets, Jerry, no frets. Yep. Everybody sucks at if they've never played an instrument before. And that's why, like, many parents force their children to <sighs> play violin, sometimes for years before they get over that hump to the point where they're actually decent and then they can hopefully decide whether they want to continue with it. Um, but anyway, in, in my formal lessons, it wasn't like they had to force me because I was drawing pictures of Mecha Godzilla from the time I could watch those things on Channel Eleven when I was like, you know, before even entering school or whatever. Right? I was doing <laughs> just that on to be my clear own. Here, that is a Godzilla that's a robot. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not a robot, really, is he? I don't know. We have to talk about that a robot. Well, or not. Anyway, okay, all right. Yeah, um, but no, I was I was always drawing at home. But this was a formal thing where you're like you're going to learn techniques and your your work is going to you know be criticized, quote unquote, to say like you know here's how this can be improved instead of just like letting you draw something and saying oh look that's so good. But that's not how art lessons look work at all. Um, anyway, and I pursued that and I pursued it on my own and with formal lessons and. I kind of got to the point where I could see my own limitations. And part of that was in the hypercritical thing was uh, my, my realization, uh, you know, as I entered adulthood, that my main skill was not, <laughs> uh, you know, the ability to draw. It was simply the ability to know what was wrong with what I had drawn. And that is great. And I don't know if it's necessary because I don't know what other great artists like, you know, I, like people. Well, and if I could add, it's, it's secondarily, I, you don't draw on this nearly as often as I would like. But you, you're, secondarily, I think you do have an ability to say, here's a way this could be better. But I think the part that is your, your gift, your curse, your affliction 
is the stuff we can all, friends of yours can relate to, which is, the, oh, geez, I'd never noticed that dent before or that crack in the spine or the whatever that is. Like you have an unerring eye for finding the, the thing that is imperfect about something, right? There's n- nothing is so perfect, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and it's, it's not just that there's something wrong, but like what exactly is wrong? Like knowing something is wrong with the legs on this drawing, that's good for a step. Knowing the leg is too long versus too short is really important that's, to That's to, a lot to of horses. It. That's a lot of horses. <laughs> right, right. Because if you because if you know the legs look wrong, but 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 you don't know, are they too long, too short? Are they at the wrong angle? Are, are, you know, like, are they too thick? Are they too skinny? If you can't answer that question, it's really hard to fix that. Now, there are people who, who, who you know, are much better artists than I am, and, I, and, and they, their minds seem not to work that way. Like there are lots of, there's a million different ways to be an artist, right? My way was I could draw something and either as I'm drawing it or before I draw it or shortly after I draw it, I could look at it and know what's wrong with it. And then that would, that and, and then I could fix it. And then I would look at what I had done as a fix and I'd look at it and say, okay, now what's wrong with it? That is an exhausting way to make progress. It's very kind of like. Uh, can go, let me go slow with you on that because I think there's something here. So are you talking about like as you're drawing something uh-huh. that you know isn't finished? Do you know it's like not savable or do you do you know as you're not when you're done with it, quote unquote, but like when you've got part of a horse, <laughs> when you've got part of a horse, is there a part of you where you get an inkling that you're moving? Are you listening to that John Syracuse side of you that says that doesn't look enough like a horse yet? Well, it's it's a lot easier to look at something and know what's wrong with it once it's on the page. Mm-hmm. But you can and you will yeah, right. gain the ability to before you make a stroke to think about how you're going to make the stroke and and predict if I were to make the stroke and then look at it, would I think that it is too long or too short or to this angle or that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the skill of doing it, but it's, it's exhausting in that uh, as you practice, you have to make fewer strokes, right? Like you don't, you have to try fewer times. And like at a certain mm-hmm. point, you, like you're not, you're not going to draw the leg 800 times. You'll race through the paper. Like practically speaking, the paper will wear out from you, from you trying to redo it. There's that's probably a certain one. point. Maybe it's just not your day. Maybe it's diminished, right? A diminishing return. Right. You realize this leg is starting in the wrong spot and you actually screwed up earlier because the whole like haunch that it's attached to is wrong. And like, just like that starts a small snowball. And eventually if so, look, if you ever want to actually complete a drawing, you can't <laughs> obsessively redraw the same line. Yes. Well, uh, sorry, right? Jim. That's what Annie Lamont calls the first draft. Mm-hmm. You've got to get something and there's that there's something I don't happen to agree with, but I get what people are saying when they say there's no such thing as writing. There's only rewriting. I get the spirit of what you're saying. But like for a young or new ish writer, the well, the, the writing is like getting it on. The, it's making a bad horse. You've got to make a bad horse before you can ever hope to make something that looks like a real horse. Yeah. And it's kind of like I've talked about in programming. It's the same thing with writing a program. Uh, getting a program that works and does the thing that you want is the, the first step. Uh, but then you'll look at that program and if you're a decent programmer, you'll learn all the things that are wrong with it and you'll make version two of that program that is more concise, more elegant, less code, fewer opportunity for right, bugs, right, more expandable. Right, right. And then you make version three and they make version four and then make version five. And then like every time you revise it, it's just like rewriting. Can I improve this? Can I improve this? You may reach a point where your current skills, you can't improve it anymore. And actually you're making it worse by that point. And, and as you get older, you're looking for more opportunities to do that rather than getting frustrated that this thing isn't right. Right. And and as you gain experience with writing uh, or programming or drawing, uh, the experienced programmer will write the 17th iteration of that program as their first draft because they all those other iterations, they don't have to write them anymore. And the same thing with doing a drawing, that your first drawing won't look like a kindergartner's. Your first drawing will look better than that because I, I don't have to draw the kindergartner version of this. I, I can mm-hmm, skip... Mm-hmm farther up the line. And what I realized is that like that way of working, 
I felt like I was not that I was topping out, but that the I was getting diminishing returns because it was becoming harder and harder for me to climb to the next level of that skill at, tree. At, at approximately what age or uh, grade? Uh, 16, 16, mm-hmm. 17. Mm-hmm. Right. And and also like the time commitment. Right. That's that's it's not like I, like I can't get any better. <laughs> it's like but the, the time ar- artistic Peter principle, like there's diminishing returns on as if you put more effort into this, the same amount of effort, you would not see the same amount of results. It, it, it was kind of like it's kind of like playing Alto's Adventure on iOS. Have you played mm-hmm. that game? Was that the golf one? No, that's the one where no. you're like skiing, skiing down mm. the hill and you okay. got to jump over stuff. Oh, yeah, I've, right? I've seen that. Mm-hmm. At a certain point when you get good at that game, like Jason Snell kind of good, uh, a single game uh, can take like 20 minutes or an hour. And then it's like, oh, if you hmm. want to beat your high score, uh, like, you know, it's going to take you an hour and a half to beat your high score. Oh, God, I, I went I went through that with Asteroids. Yeah, it's going to take you an hour and a half to beat it. And if you if you die at an hour and 20 minutes... Well, that's it for that run. You know what I mean? And at a certain point, yeah, it takes yeah. so long to to even attempt to beat your previous high score. What you have to yeah. think to yourself is, is this how I want to spend the next hour and a half playing Alto's Adventure or do I want to go do something else? Right. Mm-hmm. And my uh, uh, calculus was like, unless I'm actually going to be a professional artist, I have so many other things I want to do with my life other than just uh, practice drawing. And if I, you know, to get better from where I am now, I would need to invest more time than I'm willing to invest because, hey. I'm also into computers. I also would like to talk to a girl someday. Like, mm-hmm. I also want to ride my bike. I also like to ski. It's like a million things you want to do, and you have to kind of pick your priorities. And so even though I don't feel like I topped out on, you know, I topped out on the easy part. Like, I I, I climbed over the, the curve. My parents forced me to, not forced me, but like, they, they had me go to art lessons, which gave me a formal time to do a thing. I developed a lot of skills, but at a certain point, I said, look, I'm not, I, I don't think I want to do this for a living. I'm not as good as the other people who have done the same number of hours of stuff as I have. Because you're doing this alongside peers that may still be, they may in fact be really coming into their own in a way they hadn't before. Maybe there's some kind of like a, uh, forgive my saying, a tipping point where an accumulation of a certain amount of expertise gives you access to skills, <laughs> not unlike a video game, to be honest. Like, there's something to this where, like, you've picked up enough where now you can utilize these cross-domain things that you didn't really have ever have the eyes to see. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and a lot of the skills I had were transferable, believe it or not, to other things. The sort of the the idea of like mm-hmm. a user interface design. A lot of these these skills I developed uh, do, doing plain old boring fine art stuff are transferable to software in that way. Yeah, I told I totally agree. And I, that's why I also think, because of the color of my crystal, once again, that there are elements to enjoying or if you like being good at writing that do that apply to other things. I think, you know, not everything is everything, but I'm not sure getting that much better at bowling <laughs> would have made me a, a, a good illustrator. But there's so many skills where... You know, even just think, let's just go to the really obvious one, composition, right? I mean, isn't that part of it, what you're describing here? Not just, you know, for UI and UX, but like just having this idea of like, can you imagine being a kid today and like having an Apple Pencil and getting into something like Procreate and like in the midst of a drawing, it's not just that you could move all of it around like you could in, you know, Mac Draw, but also that the thing that always amazes me is like, I can completely change this, if you like, composition by changing the size, the color, the texture of the canvas. It, it's, it's just weird because it isn't really just like, oh, I made a round thing, so therefore it's a ball. It's also understanding that that ball you just drew is in, its, in a universe. So like where is the – how – what do they say? Before you can make a cake, you have to invent the universe? Probably. Who, who said that? Probably. 
Like a sci-fi writer, Monty probably. Python, Antelope, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, one of those guys. Maybe? Yeah, that sounds like a Feynman. Oh, it's got to be a Feynman. Surely he must be joking. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, look. I know you don't like to be helpful. Hey, what Carl should I Sagan. do? Carl Sagan, I was close. Oh, I love that guy. I'm trying my best. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> Give me, oh, give me homework. That's great. I'm trying my best. We know you are. Yeah, I know. Let's print it on our money. <laughs> uh, yeah. Give me homework. Oh, one, one more thing. I was actually, I'm sorry. I'm I was sorry. actually leading to this and related to like the, the thing that you tried where you felt limitations. So, that, so that's that's drawing. But for me, the thing where I really, really felt the limitations, partly because I didn't do the the getting over the hump part. Well, maybe I kind of did, but partly because I really bumped up hard against uh, some like more physical limits is anything having to do with music. So number one, I don't have any rhythm in terms of physiological rhythm, right? Oh, and so I, I can, I can, let me guess strumming. I can, I can hear, but, but like, right. I ear. mean, like strumming is a little more difficult than it seems. You could tap out, you could tap out a four, four roughly at, you know, in this case, what 60 beats a minute. That wasn't a very good one, but, but strumming is, there's more to strumming than it seems like. Forget about even strumming or stuff like that. Just think of something as like a piano keyboard or like when you, the but basics of... I'm, the, not, the basics I'm not talking of, about being able to like solo like Adrian Blue or Yngwie Malmsteen. I'm talking about when you first get a guitar, I think the single hardest thing about a guitar... Well, you tell me. Single hardest thing. Day you pick up a guitar, what's the hardest part? Oh, the hardest thing for me was pressing my fingers on the fretboard to make the notes. Is it in tune yet? It I is mean, so I, hard. It was so difficult for me to keep my I, cheap guitar in tune, well, and it made everything worse. I, oh, I'm the tuner. I do that. But it, let's say, let's say you just want to do some kind of like fake REM jangle rock, hold an op, do an open G, and then you're just gonna you're just gonna get your little pick, get your Jim Jim Dunlop, and just go jangga 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 jangga. Now, on the one hand, that's difficult because you gotta hit all six strings. Everything on your left hand has to be down like you just described it's difficult hard enough that it rings but you also don't want for example you don't want your index finger to be hitting on the um accidentally hitting the d string because that d string being open is what the d and the g on the b it's those open strings that make the g chord the greatest chord and so there's all that right you got to think about all that and then over here you have to strike all the strings they're different gauges right each the, the strings are well unless you're on a classical if you're on a, like a regular steel string electric, that's six different gauges of, well, not gauges, but, you know, widths. And it's really hard to get the feel for that. And where you might be able to go jang 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 like in GarageBand and hitting buttons and stuff, there's a lot to that. And then you have to change. And now you're going to go to a D7. And that's got to be clean. And you're pressing down on that C on the B string. And it's like, oh, it's so hard on your fingers. And like all of those pieces have to come together in a way that is impossible without anything but repetition. Yeah, the the, the limitation I ran again, up against while doing all of that, I, I did find all that very hard, as you described, <laughs> very, very hard. Um, but my limitation is more broad than that. My limitation is like for all music is rhythm is super important like music notes they have a different you know quarter notes versus eighth notes whole notes measures, lydia tar says that's everything right like that every, all music has that uh, there has, has some kind of meter some kind of timing right yeah, yeah. it's really important and i can 100 percent hear that i know if something's <laughs> off rhythm i can tell when a drummer is screwing up like i can hear that but physiologically and this is where we get into the pole vaulting thing and physiologically <laughs> when i 
<laughs> when, when, yeah. Sorry, I just suddenly imagined that being the title of this episode and it made me laugh. And when, when I have to make my body do something in time to literally any kind of rhythm, like, for example, play any piece of music, right, with mm-hmm. notation, read the notes and play any piece of music according to, like, put a metronome and for, like, whatever... What what happens in my body is that I mean obviously that's a practice that you have to practice. No one is just magic. Well, people no, find no, but it I easier. Your, I know what you're like, talking about. But it's it difficult. is very difficult for me to do that because it's almost as like I have like a you to use an analogy. There's like a blanking interval where when I'm asking my body to do a thing, mm. that time doesn't count. And so it's like okay, okay, I have to strum now. Okay, brain, tell hand to strum. Okay, now strum. Okay, now resume. And it's like in real life that time just passed, but my brain thinks it hasn't passed. So if you if I were to record myself playing Mary Had a Little Lamb on a piano keyboard according to the quarter notes that are put out in front of me on, on a sheet thing, and I'll be like, great, I nailed it. And then I'll play back the thing and I'll be like, holy cow, what's happening in these giant gaps? This is <laughs> yeah, not j- even like, close. janky and erratic it, and a little it's bit. Not, yeah, it's not even yeah. close. And it's it's yeah. like not a complicated <laughs> you, rhythm. Like, you get sort of unintentionally Thelonious Monk. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like, it's, you know, and, and you know, something, something <laughs> as simple like as... a Bob Dylan song. Right, yeah, it's like, what's going on mm-hmm. here? Yeah, and right, when right, you right. Were, when I was doing it, right, and so that's, so that's a, a fundamental limitation for me with all music. Now, is that a thing that I can get better at? Of course, it, it doesn't come naturally... For anybody, does their magically oh, this is, awesome? This is actually right? really helping me. When you put it in my terms, it, it helps a lot. But right, but that is, and that is, and I never got over that. Like I never got over that hump. And mm-hmm. so, music to me was always a thing that I did to amuse myself. But I understood that this will never be impressive to anybody else because everyone else <laughs> will listen to it and be like, "That's not the correct rhythm of literally anything." <laughs> like, no, you know, I under, I hear the sounds you're making, and maybe you're making sounds yeah. that are the right sounds, but. It's, but it's specifically, it's not just tempo. It's it's like within a given, like it just, it sounds like what you're yeah, describing. I'm not ragging, but you're line. saying it's, it's like <laughs> the, the production of quarter notes is erratic even yeah, yeah, within this yeah, the yeah, measure. Not a single one is the same length. Like it's <laughs> oh, just every sucks. measure is a different length. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were to put a metronome in front of me, it would anger <laughs> it would me because it'd be like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, what is that ticking yeah, noise? Do, John, that, it would frown at you. Yeah, what that ticking noise. And what does that have to do with what I'm playing? It's totally out of sync with <laughs> yeah. So so that's a limitation. Um, similarly, uh, you know, singing, I can't really control my vocal cords in that way. Again, it's a thing that you can learn to do, but I can't hit the notes like I just I can't make my throat. I, I know the notes are wrong. I can hear that they're wrong. And it, like I my big the reason I got into keyboard is because I could hear a song and p- pluck it out on the piano. That's a much purer right? path. Because, because because I know when the notes are wrong. Like, oh, just give me yeah. any melody. We would I'll just pluck sit around it. I'll, the church and try to pluck out tunes on on the keyboard down in the fellowship yeah. hall. And, and like and everybody people, did that. And some people would find that difficult, but it's like, oh, I, I know when the notes are right. And so that made it all the more painful to know that, okay, when I ask you to sing, I can't make the correct note come out of my throat or my mouth or my body in any way. Right, and right. I know that it's the wrong note coming out. So it's not like I'm blissfully unaware like I am with the rhythm thing. I am 100% aware that no, I'm not, I'm making the wrong note and it's pretty awful, right? So all the world of music not was closed off to me, but I knew that, look, if you if you want to pursue this, you're going right. to have a lot of work to get over that first hump to even get minimum competence. And you're going to have to put up with yourself not being good at it. Right. And for, for a long time, mm-hmm. it's clear that you don't have any particular, quote unquote, natural inclination to this, right? <laughs> so you'd be overcoming like all of your programming so hard on yourself to, my to, God. to get, you know what I mean? Right? I do. I do. And, and then so I decided what music would be for me is 
a thing that I would do to amuse myself. So I would pluck away at my guitar and amuse myself. I'd pluck away at my keyboards and amuse myself, knowing full well that I will no one else ever needs to hear that this is just for me. Now, get, I want to loop this back around to the drawing one more time. Well, and to get I back have to say, your, just for what it's worth, you're, you, I feel like you... Mm, no, I'm not, I don't mean this, this is not an accusation, but like you do in all of your discussions, a lot of this stuff, you keep bringing it back into this context of being something like a performance. Like I like writing because I like writing. Like you guys don't see most of what I write. It, not, not a performance, not a performance, but just like uh, I'm using the other people as a judge of like, are you actually doing the thing well or not? Right? And then that's, I just want to be clear though, if, if it matters, is that like, I don't need anybody, if I got okay, good at drawing. Let me put it this way. In the same way that I could write something and and look at it and go like, oh yeah, that that did what I was looking for here. And, and maybe I found an angle that I hadn't expected and like, yay me. I don't need anybody to see that. I made a, I made a really funny note last night. Our, our kid, we got a report card in the mail. Uh, I'm, this is not a big deal. I only mentioned it in passing that my kid got straight A pluses in everything. A, a plus? What is this plus? Does I your know. school have pluses? Well, we don't even have homework. But the um, <laughs> but but I, I opened it and I was like, oh man, ah, you know how I am. And I was like, man, this kid, Jesus Christ, what the the years this kid has had in life? I mean, we're pretty good. We're we're pretty, you know, we're we're we're, we're good people. But you know, life's life's hard for kids and kids. And I was like, and I, I opened <laughs> it was all straight A pluses. And one of the teachers said, you killed it. Like, you know, like, oh, this is so good. And so I, I know they both knew that. And I knew this. I just hadn't seen the report card. And so I propped it up on. <laughs> I it's propped it up. No, no, no. I propped it up on the silver table. Like that's our like our little island. Um, and this is exactly the, the consequential nature of what I consider writing. And uh, I wanted a way to indicate that I was pointing to the report card. So I took a particularly pointy. Uh, a potato, a sweet potato. And I pointed the pointy end at the column that had the A pluses in it. And then I took, wait for it. Can you it. explain why I use the sweet potato for this briefly? And then I took an index card and I okay, wrote that, on the bottom on part, on the bottom part of the index card in um, portrait mode, I said, you guys look behind the potato. Mm-hmm. So when they woke up this morning, I, I hope that my my kid doesn't need my pride as previously stipulated, but mm-hmm. like, that's a fun piece of writing. I used to write a note every day for my in elementary school. I'd write my kid a note and pull just a random sticker out of a Marvel sticker book and try to write some kind of a relevant speech bubble for it. And he loved it. <laughs> and it's like, there's just all these little opportunities to, I don't know. I, I just to defend my, not defend myself, but to make myself feel like less of a failure. I feel so good when I find an opportunity or like writing Santa's letter, just little dumb crap. John, and again, thank you for giving me leeway on this, writing the notes for the show. If time's available, I spend, I spend like four hours writing those three or four paragraphs, which is the craziest thing in the world. I know that makes no sense. And yet I, I could not imagine anybody else but me being allowed to do that. And it's like, that feels good in the same way that it feels good to walk into an alley with your shoes and your ball and know that you're going to be able to bowl, I don't know, let's say a, a 210 or something, which I couldn't do. I was more like a 120, 130 guy. But like, you know what I mean? It just feels good even knowing how to like cast a line in fishing or like you show up at the company picnic and you like weirdly, you're like Pam Beasley. You seem like preternaturally able to know how to serve a volleyball. And you're like, what? where have you been hiding this? 
And you know, of course, in that case, Pam had gone to college on a volleyball scholarship. But like, I think it's it's so it's so satisfying to make your peace with the stuff that that you do like doing and where you do like the output. And listen, let's let's, let's not make this too fancy. It could also be stuff like you're great. I think about like uh, Mina Trot. Oh, not, not Mina Lazar, but. I know her as a trot. She, um, but Mina, like, she's a seamstress. She's a designer. She designs all these vintage clothes and makes them out of vintage fabrics. And, like, any event for her kid's birthday, she would do – one time there was, like, this frontier party, and she made every kid at the party a bonnet with their name on it. And it's, like, I, that's so joyful to me. To, like, it's not all that, like – dumb Instagram crap of like, oh, you should feel bad because you, th these aren't feet on your boat. It's more like, oh no, I just, I did this. It's gift economy. I did this because I love doing this and I want you to have it. I didn't do this to get laid. I did this because it's something that gives me a great deal of pleasure, including with that serving a meal, hanging a bonnet on somebody or, or being able, you know, to play a little bit of pinball wizard. It just feels good. Yeah, the little notes and your kid's lunch reminds me of uh, Tiff Arment, who uh, did, used to do little drawings and her <laughs> kid's lunch. Oh, right, and that's that's a, a great example because you're yeah. doing you're you're doing little notes because you enjoy writing little notes, but yeah, also we have, we have a shared enjoyment of Marvel things. Right. Yeah, but but by this point in your life, you're good at the writing part, right? Tiff came to fine art stuff later in life and so, so had, interesting and then she became a photographer well, ha, and had had to tolerate the thing that all of us find less tolerable as we get older it's harder to tolerate being really suck ass at something when you're older uh i i feel like and oh, so no, i think you're absolutely right well you know that old phrase oh, can't teach an old dog new tricks i don't know if i agree with that but i do know that it can feel more intolerable but it's like a bit from a 70s tv show where you force somebody to like say participate in a potato sack race and he's like oh with this artificial hip boing, you know like that kind of thing where you're like oh god please don't make me do this or a hike i don't think so that kind of thing oh tiff she's so interesting i love her you, you try climbing 10 floors with these knees in these shoes um i'm copying and pasting one of these though these are not very good but they were for a child but anyway uh, tiff mm -hmm. came to art late and then took a concerted effort to just do it a lot and Making right. a bunch of drawings in her kids' lunch just because she enjoyed the drawings, but it's also another occasion to do more drawings. Well, right? now now she needs to draw a new shop vac. It's not her fault. Marco broke the shop vac. <laughs> if you need him, he'll be downstairs. Oh, because it's really loud with the shop vac on. Yeah, it's hard to make a left get, turn. Hard never... to make a left turn. One of the best. One of the best. Uh, best. Uh, you know, emotionally sung refrains in his entire catalog. Hard to make a left turn with the shop vac on. Uh, they're, they're, the part of the dialogue is uh, uh, banal, banal descriptions of a commute in a car at a particular oh. intersection where it's well known between the couple that it's really hard to make a left turn at that intersection. Oh, oh yes, yes. Oh, God. Uh, steak tastes better, That's a good Bill. song. Oh, my God. What, and the, the thing that I feel like the thing, this is Jonathan Colton we're talking about, the mm -hmm. thing that is not appreciated enough, I know it's appreciated, but I think it's not appreciated enough about Jonathan Colton's lyrics is how dark so many of his songs not oh, dark in a goth absolutely. kind of absolutely like and i think that i don't know the man you know him you can tell me this is true My, the vibe Stop. i get for him is that he's much more likely to be a dark and depressing person than you would think for someone who makes fun songs well about i mean zombies. i remember seeing something probably in college that was a funny bit 
Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry, I'm 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 belching. Um, Winnie the Pooh made a little bit of a comeback around the time I was in college. There's the Tao of Pooh and things like that. And I remember seeing a, a very funny illustration that might as well serve as a meme today. And it was like, what would the medical psychiatric, if you like, diagnosis of each of the uh, hundred acre animals be? And uh-huh. I always remember that Eeyore, Eeyore was dysthymic. That you know, obviously he's you know he's he's got. Like clinical depression, obviously. That ain't situational, baby. But he uh, he's dysthymic. And I, I think, you know, maybe, I think Jonathan's got a slightly dark aspect mm-hmm. a little bit, but he's a very nice guy. You know, he's very smart. He, he went to school in Boston. I know. No, wait. He went to school in Connecticut? I don't remember. I did, he went this to the thing, other sounds one. like a thing that you should know, being actual friends with the Oh, person. no. I was telling my kid about, about the, the rule of thumb when somebody goes, where'd you go to college? Oh, I went to college in Boston. Yeah, no, I, I know. I understand the Boston thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, Yale, Yale's in Connecticut, right? It is. Is Princeton still in New Jersey? It still is. Still That's there. also where Rutgers is. Do you think they run into are there any like collisions? Mm, maybe. They got a, a MD5 for that. I'm being frustrated by the web. Isn't there a, a JonathanColton.com webpage that has the lyrics to ShopVac on it? I feel like there used to be. There has to be. There, you, yeah, there used to be like you could go to any co- song. JonathanColton.com would have here's where you can buy the song. And by the way, here's the lyrics. And now I'm following his stupid lyrics genius releases. He's also, God, I could talk about that cat all night. Um, as you may or may not know, like I love this band called Rockpile. And I've been going through a big Rockpile thing lately and really yeah. appreciate, shut up, really appreciating <laughs> the singing of Dave Edmonds. And like I, my favorite Rockpile records are not Rockpile records. Like my favorite Rockpile records are with the same lineup is repeat when necessary by Dave Edmonds and labor of lust by Nick Lowe. But the actual, the one kind of sort of famous actual album they put out seconds of pleasure, pleasure um, has the most astonishing Dave Edmonds singing on it. And for anybody out there, if you guys haven't watched the rock pile documentary, it's on YouTube. It's really good. It's called born fighters and it's incredible. And the, there's a, there are harmonies between especially between Nick Lowe and Dave Edmonds. Dave Edmonds is like he's a very good singer. Nick Lowe and Billy Bremner are all great singers. But like when you listen to that record, you're like, God, this record sounds so not weird, but like given that they're doing a pub rock, post rockabilly, post roots rock kind of thing, you would expect it to be lots more like, well, like Eddie Cochran or like what would eventually sound like the cramps. The thing is, Dave Edmonds' vocals are so dry. Because you would not want a drop of like of reverb on his voice because you want to hear like exactly how perfectly he's singing every single part of it. I think it's just showing off, but he is English. <laughs> she just say on Kaki the other day. Lessons Which on how to draw by Hoku. Oh, check your I, messages. I saw you, I saw you link it. Yeah. Let me see. Um, I, I think things like it. this are so interesting. So Kaki posted this a uh, couple days ago, yesterday. Wow. Time flies. Uh, it's called Lessons on How to Draw by Ho Ku Sai. Now that sounds a little bit like a King Crimson song. Mate Kudasai. Uh, 1812, Japanese woodblock print artist, da da da, da later become Hokusai. famous. Okay. I don't uh, oh, he's uh, the wave guy, John. Is he? He's Waveman. He's in the Dr. Waveman. But he does that thing. It's a little bit draw skippy, but first of all, these are very much, as Griffin McElroy would say, in the Japanese style. Um, and, uh, but he does that thing, you know, how you can draw Mickey Mouse with these circles. You draw a big circle and then two little circles. Isn't this kind of sweet and clever? We'll put this in notes, but like he's showing you like, basically here's one, how to draw a squirrel using circles. And I, I, John, just 
pump the brakes. I know what you're going to say. That doesn't really look like a cat. That cat wouldn't survive with ears like that. But I think stuff like this is so fun, and it reminds me. Oh God, look at all the people in that like fourth one, third one. Um, it reminds me of like when I first like my like when my kid learned to draw the S that everybody draws, mm-hmm. or like when I learned to draw the ooh 3D floating box. Really, you know, it's a gimmick, but it just feels so good. Um, in f- fifth grade must have must have been fifth grade oh my god it had to be after the summer of 77 because you ever do the woodblock thing where you get like those little tiles and you get the carvy things and you got to carve them out and you make a little thing that you could block or you can print with you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yep. i forget what's like not you know you get the gougy thing and the pointy thing it's <laughs> yeah, like lisa's dentist thing, right? yep. <laughs> the big book of british smiles and uh mine was i tried i had just learned what one point perspective was, and you know how I learned it? The poster for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I would <laughs> stare at. I would just stare at that and go, yeah, and like you guys, you guys can all act cool and act like, you know, maybe you're different. If I, I could make myself high as a freaking kite by thinking about infinity for four minutes, my mm. mind would turn over on each other because it had no idea it was not supposed to try so hard to resolve something unresolvable. And I might as well have been tripping. In this instance, a la what would later be like MC Escher stuff. Do you remember the poster? You see, I think it's got the ship in it. Is, is it the road? It's got the road. I think it's got a line down the middle and a vanishing yep. point, one point perspective. And I, that was my wood block. I tried to. <laughs> <laughs> tried to make the poster because I wanted so much. Because you like show somebody, you're like, look, 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 look. That's just three lines, but look how you can tell that part is far away. <laughs> you know it's that movie? Far, that it's movie not actually far away. It just gets narrower. It's forced perspective. I have two things it's to like, say about like the, the movie. Hobbit. Oh, is that how it works? You get yeah. a, you get uh, Syrian, Syrian, Syrian. The, the, the that whole the whole road is two feet long. It's just uh, skinnier. That is incredible, and the trees are to scale. Mm-hmm. Um. The thing I was going to, was I talking about drawing? And then I was talking about, um, rock pile, rock pile, <laughs> a terrible name for a band. Oh, damn it. I was going to tell you something good. Uh, Syrian perspective, small drawing. Oh, damn it. Oh, damn it. Now what am I going to do? Anyway, I think it's cool that, that this man, the waveman can show you. Well, here's another thing from, from, uh, oh, from the, the, draw, the drawing article. Yeah. Another thing from the Far East. Did you ever? Um, <laughs> I can't even say that as a joke. Um, did you ever see Hero the film? Mm-hmm. Hero is one of my absolute favorites of a genre and several subgenres. It's I, I mean, like it's one of my favorite kung fu movies. Um, it's one of my favorite. Oh, I always forget the term. The wire work. Woo. Wu, mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. Not Wu Tang, but you know Wu Shen or something like. Anyway, the wire work stuff. Like when you see. Michelle Yao, right? Like like dancing mm-hmm. through the trees, fighting the guy in the sword. And then like, oh, that that's actually, I'm sorry, I'm confusing that one. But you know, but in um, so but in this one, do you remember this? There's the colors, and then there's the one guy who he has to go and to learn if this guy's a really good swordsman. He he goes and seeks him out, and he's like the greatest calligrapher in the land. And he goes to this guy and asks him to make, I don't know, like his family initial or something. Do you remember that scene? And then they're shooting the arrows at him. I remember the arrow scene. He's got like a big mop almost that he's using as a paintbrush. And of course that ends up being, guys, if you haven't seen Hero, really treat yourself. It's so awfully good. And he, the way he uses that, and it's funny though, because it's kind of apropos of this discussion in the sense of like, well, the way that 
ooh, not Donnie Yen, but I'm so embarrassed. I don't remember the star's name. Donnie Yen is It Man, which is another great movie. But um, it's that he has to go and seek this guy out. And in the way that he wields these the broom brush, he's able to know like what kind of swordsman that he could be. And I think that's in some weird ways what we're talking about is cross-domain expertise, where John's interest in drawing, uh, uh, you'll have to bring this up with Snell, Robot Godzilla, um, eventually leads you to be able to probably have a broader understanding of a, a blink-like ability to look at something and go, oh, the layout of that is really not right because that or, composition or, or, is too tight. Yeah, or photography, speaking of composition, photography, like everything mm. I'd done for my entire life and in, in, in fine art stuff just transfers straight to photography. Uh, that's 90% especially, of photography especially when you first use it, when you first use a DSLR or like a really good iPhone camera, it, we're getting, now we're getting back into that printer ad thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of like texture. Like it used to be you take a snapshot and you just hope that the shape of everybody's face wasn't the same and their eyes were open. As you get better photography, yeah, you think about the composition, but like your mind opens up to all this, these deeper levels. Like that, I had that, a post on my old website about this. One of the, the day I felt like I finally, finally was starting to understand getting better photography. I'd taken a photo of a little croc had fallen off my baby's foot and I had to go and find it. And I got down on the ground with my cannon and took this photo. And it's like a year or two before that, I would not have thought about stuff like, how do I get this so there's enough of light casting a shadow that that familiar nubby feeling of the croc is captured. I never would have thought of that <laughs> when I was just doing like little, um, you know, point and shoot. Yeah. Part, part of the cheat in, uh, in photography is, you know, I, I never done anything with photography my entire life, but like my, your photos com- are wonderful. I think your photos skill, and your like, taste are very good. All right. So I don't actually know that well, how to use a camera to get what I want. And even what you're talking about is, having the notion that I would like to try to do a thing to make the nubby things more dramatic, setting even that aside, because even Mm. that, especially in the beginning, was beyond what I was doing. The key skill that I had and have related to photography is simply the ability to see something in front of my eyes that happens due to no activity that I did. I didn't get down on the ground to look at the croc. I didn't actively something do like anything. Out, out, something out in the world, like yeah. in situ, and know uh, that I'll that's the thing to photograph. I'll just see a part of my life, and I will immediately know that will make a good picture if I pick up my camera right now and put a rectangle like this around it. Right? I get it. Mm-hmm. And that is the most important skill for my personal photography because... I think your editing you don't skills know, have got to get some credit, though. If you don't know, now's the time to take up your camera, pick up, and point it in that direction. Yes. Then you're left with what you're doing, which I think is way harder to say, like, is there a thing that I can do actively to make a better picture out of this? And I'm not even at that level yet. I am simply operating at the level of my brain immediately knows when it sees something that it would well, make Well, and a good like, picture. can I say that's not, I'm not trying to, you know, blow up either of our egos, but that is somewhat similar to what the distinction that I would make between like being an illustrator and being an artist. Like an illustrator is a kind of artist, but illustration has, I feel like has a more like definable outcome. Right. And it's why some people are hard on Norman Rockwell because, like, oh, he's basically an illustrator. It's like, well, yeah, that and he's one of the most gifted, like, Who painters. That? That's madness. Well, some people think he's too hokey, but like, I think his style is. We had a, we had a Norman Rockwell book when I was a kid that I was obsessed mm-hmm. with. I mean, really look like that looks so much like somebody at a soda fountain. Like, it really does but look I, like I, that. I would argue that, it, that the thing that makes his work great is not like, oh, it's like a photograph. Like, yeah, he's a good, fine artist. And, no, but it and looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. But it's all about composition and yeah. character. He's, he's more yeah. of a, a cartoonist than he is a, you know, like I'm doing for Yeah, especially for the covers, especially for the um, 
Saturday, what are they called? Saturday Night this Fever is, covers. Yeah, this uh, Saturday Evening Post. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, I can't find the shoe now. I'll have to search on my cannons. Give me homework. What's my homework? I don't know if you need homework. I think okay. we might actually even talk about this again because you didn't get too deep into your drawing as a, as a form of therapy that I still want to hear about, but we'll let oh, it sure. for a while. I would, I would love that, but do you think... Like, for example, oh, there's a video of Colton I'm looking at right here. He's playing a ukulele at Roderick's house. Um, the Just to, to make subtext text, I feel like a thing that you're saying, you'll never agree because I'm never allowed to be right. But I think what you were saying was, even when I'm agreeing with you, you know, preemptively, but I think what you're saying is, you know, well, hey, you know, try. Like, and, and do it a lot and make, the same way that you would make all those pages to be less bad at writing, maybe you need to make a horse and another horse and well, another what, horse. What I, what I was getting at with the therapy thing is if you have found a way to, like, kind of like I'm doing with music where I'm doing it in a way that I know the results are crap, but it's still a thing that I enjoy. Uh, sure, sure. That, that will drive me to repeat it a lot. But, but and what, so what I'm trying to ask you, though, should that be, do you think that's along the lines of a journal? Like, do you think I should try to set aside some time each day? I mean, or on some kind of well, regular basis? For, for, the, for the little, if you actually want to get over one of the series of many large humps that are in front of you with the drawing stuff, you can burn a lot of time doing repeated drawings that are all bad in the same way. And if that's what you enjoy as a therapy thing, there's nothing wrong with that. But mm -hmm. if you actually do want to climb that hill a little bit, there are a few basic technique things that you can learn. And if you grok them, you will sort of level up in fairly large leaps. Well, to maybe we should to, make that a challenge. To the next level of things. It's just there's so many of them. Like the problems with, it's, again, the best time to plant this tree was 25 years ago. Uh, <laughs> is that a specific of, reference or is yeah. that just? No, it's a saying. Uh, once the best okay. time to plant a tree is 25 years ago, the second best time is now. That's what I say about stopping doing crack. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's like music and like fine arts. There are so many like boring fundamentals that it's really important to like internalize and know before you can get to the next level. And mm -hmm. nobody wants to climb it that way. Like it's, it's a difference between learning to play the guitar by plucking, plucking away at it versus starting a day one in a music theory class. Or like so a topic from years ago with us is thinking about programming. What did you call it, like ground up versus bottom top up down? or top down? Right. Bo yeah, bottom right. Up, Isn't that kind of similar? Yeah. Bot yes, it's exactly the same. Bottom up is exhausting and you don't get the payoff for so long, but it <laughs> is the, it, it is the way to it also, like really it also truly builds understand. the groundwork for what you described, yeah, which is really, now when Python comes along, you'll be fine with right. figuring and out so Python. So with, with drawing, it's not like you're going to go bottom up, first principles, learn everything because you're not going <laughs> to become a professional artist, but like there are one or two fundamentals that were you to learn them will really help you level up yeah. in the top-down stuff that you're doing. But you actually have to grok them, and it's not easy. We should make it a challenge. I think we should do it. We have to decide what those are. Like, uh, wh which thing do you care about? Do you care about your line drawings looking right? Do you care about your colors looking right? Uh, do you care about uh, you being able to express whatever thing right. you're trying to express I think the, gate, the, the gating The gating factor is taking a pencil and a piece of paper and producing something that eventually it gets closer to what I was trying to illustrate. Yeah, I, I think so, yes, probably, uh, mm -hmm. it probably <clears throat> shape and shape and form and maybe like, you know, uh, dimensionality and shading are the two things you probably want to tackle first right. because they're, they will have the biggest payoffs for you successfully doing what you're doing. But in my experience, and as you're, I'm sure you experienced too with the drawing on the, the right side of the brain thing, shape is one of the hardest things to to really, and even though you know all the stuff, even though you read the book, even right. though you understand that's, the upside that's down That's my chair. bet noir is because, and, and forgive me, because I, I, I suspect this is probably 80% BS, but the right side, left side brain stuff, I mean, obviously there's something to it. You know, uh, what's the connector? The medulla oblongata? What's the thing that connects the sides? 
I do not know. But like if you se- if you sever that thing, mm-hmm. people will continue to survive, but they lose all these crazy skills, and that's where that CGP gray video comes from. Mm-hmm. But um, but wh- however, whatever word works for it, I'm gonna say it this way, which is that like I I am a very I think a very left brain person in a whole lot of ways. Um, I suspect you are maybe even more so. Um, and the thing is, uh, the phrase I want to use. I end up unintentionally, whatever this process is and what causes the pencil to move in my hand is being heavily dominated by some very left-brained processing. So like, I need to make a face. So start by drawing a, an oval. It's like, well, the faces aren't really oval. Don't, don't start with faces. That's a tough Well, That's, that's why what I'm trying to give thing. you credit for is the shape thing. Because shape does not necessarily mean a cylinder looks like a glass of water. Know, but, but, but faces are brutal because we are all so good at knowing faces. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's Absolutely. really the worst Ab- thing it's, it's, it's so deep in our bones. But, you know, let's come back to it. We'll make it a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I'm not, I, I've never taught art. So I, the only thing I could teach you is kind of like the way <laughs> I work like that. to do it. Less like that. Less like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's not, that's <laughs> not useful. So but, bad. but there are, there are like Didn't exercise. I tell you to make it less yeah. like that? There, there are exercises that you can do that are like, like sort of, you know, drawing game exercises, not the upside down chair thing, but like just uh, I'm telling you, turn, turning a face, a face upside down. Asking you to you really set aside faces. They're just brutal. No, no, again, but I'm saying that's the first exercise I remember doing from drawing on the right side of the brain was like they say, like something along the lines of like pick up a magazine or a book that's got unfamiliar visuals in mm-hmm. it. Start read, quote unquote, reading it upside down. Get to a page that's got a big-ass face on it, like a big model face. Don't look at it in the correct orientation. Mm-hmm. Don't look at it so that the eyes are on top, et cetera. Um, here's the, actually, the eyes part I just said a second ago, that's a great example. When, when you learn the heuristics of drawing, you learn, for example, you know, your eyes are actually like halfway down your head. <laughs> They're not up near your hairline. Yeah, there's that, there's that kind of sort of like, uh, you know, the mechanics of the particular thing you're doing. But I'm, I'm thinking more of like, uh, you know, something that's not a face, like, uh, you know, draw this uh, draw this apple on you're not allowed to make any lines. That's exactly it. That's what, what I take away from you saying shape. Right. Because it, it doesn't mean a you get, in, you get into the mindset that you think drawings are, are like a bunch of that's, lines. You know that what? That's, that's exactly it. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other exercise you could do is draw this bunch of grapes, but you can only use one line. Right. <laughs> oh, that, I love those. Those like always those, turn out so are, much better than I expected. Yeah, they, those are like writing prompts, like the example. Well, because like it, it forces they're, you not to be constrained by your bad perceptions of space. Yeah, and like, and writing prompts are gimmicky, and you know, or whatever journaling prompts or whatever. But they're they're funnish things that are trying to teach you something and get you off of your normal mode. But but that that's that's kind of a backdoor way to try to teach you fundamentals, but not really without explaining them. Because there's so many bad habits we all have related to writing and drawing and anything else that these activities sort of get you off of them. Because the, the, the formal way to do it, like practicing your scales or like practicing yes, yes, fingerings yes. or playing Mary Heather the Lamb against a metronome until you get it right for a thousand times, like people don't want to do it that way. So there's, there's more fun ways. Or like, yeah, just having to play, like you think about it, there's some songs that, well, I guess if it wasn't for Nokia, for Elise would best be known as... <laughs> Oh, no, wait, wait. Nokia was, I am ringing, I am ringing, please pick me up. The one I'm thinking of is, dum, dum, bum, 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 And like anybody who's ever had to be in the same part of town where a kid is learning that song, like it yeah. will, it'll trigger you in like a Manchurian can. I could play that song. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, really. Yeah, huh. on the piano. You didn't right now? 
No, I could. I, I used to, you know, I used to be able to play it. I, 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 what's kind of one of the sad things about music is I remember the first time I like sat down at a keyboard. I'm like, oh, let me play one of the songs I know. And I realized my fingers had forgotten. I'm oh, like, oh, no. damn you. Hard and soul. Hard and soul. Yeah. No, I used to be able to do that. I could do chopsticks, both parts. Like I could do. Oh, the, wow. Could, nice. You're a, you're a polymath. I could do the whole nine yards, but that I think they'll all got replaced with options to Unix commands. Like the, <laughs> just, Oh, so like knowing flags and attributes. <laughs> Yeah, no, knowing like, you know, and like being uh, able to do FFM, no, knowing the correct flags to tar and stuff like that, just really totally booted all that out of my brain, which is kind of a shame. I know it's not a shame, John. That's tremendous. I mean, it was certainly more lucrative for me in terms of <laughs> John, how many how many violinists do we really need? I'm going <sighs> to say six. Yeah, no, you got to keep making new ones because they keep dying. Oh, no. What? Who died? The correlation is not causation. It's not because of. Oh, the okay. I've been imagine I'm posting that Denzel GIF. All right. It's just the passage of time. Whew. There you go. I can't find this god <laughs> croc. It's not even that good of a photo, but it's mainly mm-hmm. from my Lightroom phase. I can tell. I can tell stuff. I just. I spent. I loved Lightroom so much. Still exists. Well, but like, yeah, I did it for a while, but I don't, I don't, it's too much. Um, no, but it got to where like, you know, you could do the stuff of like, uh, apply this to all mm-hmm. on import and all that stuff. And like, I just, I look, you know, something I still crave. Oh, I, I, you poor kid. Why am I throwing this in your face? These are all things that are just a suck in photos. Hey, you know what? How about this? If I use my, my meat fingers to zoom in on the area around the eyes of this photo and I arrow right, I'd like it to be in approximately the same place every time I hit right. You know what I'm talking about? Like I did, if I hit the escape key and then hit the right arrow, sure, take me back to fit in view, right? Fit in width uh, or whatever. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but that, I'm telling you, when you like, and that, what's the trick? Well, here's the trick: take a lot of photos, and when you take a lot of photos, always take never fewer than three shots of anything, only because not because anybody cares about the flower what you're going to discover is that one of those is always better one of those is always worse and one of them when you actually look at it on a computer in this case when you look at it you're going to not realize the detail that you didn't know you were focusing on you thought too much about a flower and didn't think enough about the end of the pistol because if you had actually really focused on that the rest would have fallen in place it would have been exquisite and that's what it takes though you've got to just keep looking at that and like like have your eyes roll back in your head because you've looked at Lightroom for so long. One of the things that that annoys me. It's a shame that we ended the show because we could have shoved this in. No, no, keep just, it in. Keep it in. We're still going. One of the, one of the things that uh, that annoys me about that uh, lately. It's I mean it's always annoying, but lately it's just kind of like a, a, a sick joke. And I guess it is related to what I just said about noticing something in front of me that I think would make a good picture. So I take way more than three because hey, they're free, right? You know me. And like, yeah, I was. Uh, that's things, the right? floor. That's the right. floor. Yeah, T- just tons of pictures, right? And, you know, I go through them in my, in photos, my photo app of choice, and I see, okay, here's the 17 pictures of this tree, right? And I go through them with my typical, you know, annoying, like, trying to find the right one and caring about all the details or whatever. And it is almost always, like, the first or second picture. And it annoys the <laughs> hell out of me. Because the first or second oh, one God. was, the, like, like, the later ones are the ones where I was like, oh, I'm going to fix it now, and now I'm going to do this, and now I'm going to do that, and it's just right. like... And, and pretty before you know it, you're stepping on your own dick. Well, did exactly. You hear the story I'm, I'm about overworking the, Gus, the dough, right? Did you hear the story about the Gus Fring scene at the end of season four, where, like, the, the apparently, um, uh, help me out, Vince. Vince Gilligan, like, he, I think he did at least 12 takes of Giovanni Ribisi, because, boy, it was a lot of work to get him. You know what I'm talking about. Did, did you hear about this? He shot 12 
did 12 shots of this, which is like pretty unheard of mm -hmm. at that level of like, you know, pay cable TV. Unless, unless you're Kubrick, you know. Well, or unless it's the last, like the, maybe the most memorable scene of one of the great dramas of all time, and maybe you know it. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's a pretty high pressure atmosphere, but there's a great, if you, I don't know if you saw it when I put this up, there's a great video about that. But the, the, here's my favorite part of the story. Vince Gilligan had his people shoot this thing, let's say 12 times. And then he said, now I want you to show me each of the 12 of these, but they, they got to be unlabeled. Mm -hmm. The only way that I will be able to pick like you need to really, really shuffle these up and mix it because in order to, for this to me to really like, I need to have no idea. And you know what? He, you know which one he picked? It's gonna be the first one, the twelfth one. Oh, the twelfth one! That, <laughs> my friend, that is a triumph, especially because he didn't know if he was done. Right? I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a triumph. That's a small amount. Well, of data you know, there. The, the happily ever after just gets pasted in when you hit your word count. Yeah, you know what make, I'm makes a good story. I, I think I, I feel like it's the preponderance of over the years of me constantly picking the like the first or second one in the in the burst is really uh, no, annoying. No, me. Uh, no, yours is not. Your as, as John Syracuse says, it's the exception that proves the rule. But yeah. it, it is funny. And so you know, you've heard the story. I think the story was that like Hound Dog. I think they did forty two takes. Mm. And back then, that that wasn't nothing. That's that's a lot of tape, you know, even in a two minute song. And you give me homework next time, right? Did you get my croc? Oh, where where do you think the focus is in this picture? Oh no. Oh, what would you do? Yeah, that's another thing that annoys me. I'm not a skilled photographer, I'm, but I know I, I, I know John, when I'm, I'm on Terra I'm on Terraval Street. I'm literally I, I, on Terraval Street with a manual mm, lens, a fifty millimeter. Yeah, that's lens. what I'm, I'm saying. The manual focus, like I don't know how to. I can't manual focus to save my life, so I'm at the the mercy of the automatic focus. But I sure as hell know when it missed, oh. and this thing missed. Huh? I do feel like our version of word count is when you break my heart. Mm -hmm. No, it missed. Do you see where the the focal plane is in this picture? I already left. Do you see where it is? Look, look at the picture. Where I can't hear you. I'm gone. Plane? I already left. Draw, draw you're, the focal plane. You're the focal plane. plane. But don't you see the interest I added with the diagonal lines? Oh, no. It's a great picture, but I'm just saying like- Great composition. This is it's one of the, it's, it's, it follows the rules of thirds. Yeah, God, whatever. you're bad. You're these, so These burned. are the ones that break my heart is when I see I like this- I bet if I flipped it on, was it I was like, this would have been the good one, but I, but the camera missed the focus. And I oh blame it on the camera. Oh my God. I'll, you know what? And I'll bet you, I'll bet you the upper right of the Peter Brady, or excuse me, of the one, two, three, of the- of the in the Brady Bunch grid, I bet you it's right right over that Croc logo. Bingo, bango, bongo, and Irving. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna set your composition aside here. Your 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 key insight was to get down low. That's good. You need to get down low. You you mm -hmm. love being up high. You're like you're like a you're like a line judge. You and your nubby Crocs. Yeah, I no, just it's, learned, it's, it's, it's I just my learned a new word for this. My my car says I have an inability to focus, mm. but I know when the focus is off. Handy. <laughs> That's there great. That's, mm -hmm. that's one of my many uh, <laughs> photography curses. Sorry about your imminent death, but I do know why you're dying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Must have been modern medicine for you, am I right? 